hello, folks. Welcome into the SoCo Show. This is Co-Livia Wild, director of Booksmart. <laughs> <laughs> I am joined by all, as always, joined as always by Seth Ott. Yeah. And uh, this is episode number 99 of the SoCo Show. Nine nine. <laughs> there. <laughs> I would have waited all night. <laughs> nine nine indeed. Uh, episode number ninety nine is here, and we're excited. We were talking beforehand. We're really stoked for this episode. We got a lot of cool shit coming at you. We're going to introduce a couple of new things, which is always very nude intriguing. Uh, and nude things. Yeah. Uh, don't don't tell them until we get to that yet, Seth. You're going to spoil it. But, uh, I really like feet. <laughs> I really like feet. There you go. <laughs> um, lots of fun, new and nude things going on. And I, I know what you're saying. You're saying, give me what I want. But we, we got to <laughs> we got to wait. We got to wait to introduce those things until later on in the show. So we're excited for all of that. Of course, we are revving up to our big old episode number 100, which will show up seven days from now. And uh, we're, we're doing some preparation and things for that special episode. We'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. But I don't know. We got to open this episode up. We got to do this episode before we do episode number 100. Because we shouldn't be promising 100. You know, we might die. So this might be the last episode of the show. And you said, Seth, that you had something you wanted to open the show with. And I don't know what it is. But I'm, I'm <laughs> always intrigued and nervous when you tell me you have something you want to say. <laughs> No, 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 uh, no geese involved this time. So it's a totally new thing. Although I have encountered a few geese this this uh, week already on the trail, and uh, they're still assholes. So no, this this does actually involve kind of my trail because this involves uh, some some music. So I don't know if we've talked on here before, but we've talked uh, off air before about. Uh, YouTube music and how we, we both enjoy YouTube music, uh, especially the like the the mixtape it creates for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, th- there's a, a feature that I that I enjoy the offline mixtape where you download songs. You can uh, choose up to a hundred songs and it'll download it to your phone. And it's based off of basically other songs you've searched in the past or liked in the past. Uh, so I have mine up to a hundred songs. I have a hundred songs downloaded, and it'll like refresh and it'll re it'll put songs on there based off of like ones you've listened to or skipped or whatever. And so, <laughs> I again I don't know if we've talked about this on the phone, but my taste in music is very uh, eclectic. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a lot of uh, late '90s, early 2000s stuff. You know, I'm I'm a fan. We've talked before of Ashley Simpson. She was my crush as a kid. Um, a fan of. Um, you know some some other uh, artists from that time. Michelle Branch, I'm a huge fan of. We, we talked about that before. Uh, there's a video out there. I, I think we've talked about it where I'm just rocking the fuck out oh, yeah. to "Everywhere" by Michelle Branch. That song's a bop, as the kids say. <laughs> and, and, and so uh, because of that, uh, definitely a lot of again a lot of um, a lot of that, those songs back in the day were uh, very poppy and and uh, tailored towards. Um, the younger, I don't know, the, the younger audience, the teen audience. And also, like, in terms of current music, too, I listen to very random stuff. I listen to a lot of, like, what's on the radio, the pop pop radio. Um, I like to throw a good Taylor Swift song in there here and there, pop that on. Some other, like, uh, um, Halsey is a, another artist that I enjoy. Uh, there's some other ones, like Anne Marie. She has, like, that 2002 song I really like. There's just, like, a, a, lot, of, a lot of pop music playing through my, through my thing there. And so as, as 
YouTube music is starting to gather more and more of my likes and, and my interests there with, with the music. Um, I'm getting some interesting songs added to, to my list. Um, the first one, the first one that I noticed was, uh, no doubt the song, uh, I'm just a girl. Yep. I've listened to that before. I've listened to that one before. That's a good song. I enjoy it. It's a nineties, late nineties, early two thousand song, you know, not, not out of the ordinary. And then I see, uh, another song pop on, or I hear the song, the, the chords to, uh, the opening chords to girls just want to have fun. I'm like, okay, I don't really search a lot of classic rock, um, but it's a good song. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be offended by it. A um, little weird though, just, you know, again, out of the blue, girls just want to have fun. And then when I finally realized uh, that something, something was fishy here was uh, Pretty Woman came on. <laughs> and then I, I realized that uh, YouTube music thinks that I'm a female. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm here to say that uh, YouTube music, check your gender bias, bro. <laughs> oh, my God. That is, you know what? I, 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 I've I known, nothing you said there, like, was new information to me, but I've never had it all presented to me at once. But you mm-hmm. absolutely have the music taste of a 17-year-old girl. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> hey, when a song is a bop, a song is a bop, yeah, okay? Yeah, Bops are bops, man. I, I I agree. As a as a huge Taylor Swift fan, um, I can empathize. No hate, but uh, yeah, that is a. Pre- <laughs> well, what was funny too is like, I uh, I told you about this uh, last like late last week or something. I told you that I have something to open the show with based off technology, and I it had just been I'm just a girl. And uh, and uh, girls just want to have fun. And it was weird to me that girls just want to have fun was the the song mm-hmm. uh, that popped up again because I don't listen to a lot of classic rock. There's a few classic rock songs I've searched for, but definitely never searched that song in my life. And then I I, I just died laughing when Pretty Woman came on because I'm like, okay, it definitely thinks I'm a girl. Like there's no <laughs> no doubts, uh, no doubt, ding. Oh, yeah. um, but. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, YouTube music thinks I'm a girl, and you know what? I think that's a problem because even though I listen to you know music that is stereotypically listened by you know girls, there's no problem with that. No, and not at all. for it for it to just assume that I'm a woman based off the song choices, I think I think that's an issue. I think that needs to be taken up with YouTube and Google and you know the powers that be there, and and they could they could. Uh, offer me or suggest you know maybe like a stain song or a, a nickelback song which let's be honest i listen to nickelback as it is so say, that's already on there recommend nickelback to you creed is on there they could put more nickelback songs though there you that's go. always a There's always that's room always for welcome. more nickelback and says offline mixtape <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you this though uh your complaint has been uh has been documented and together with this information we will tear down the patriarchy and we will restore a world where someone's gender is not assumed based on their music choices. I think That's true. I think we have a case for it. And uh, Google, YouTube, just know we're fucking coming for you and we mean business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So uh, that's actually a good one. Uh, now, now that you, the listener, know what Seth's music tastes are, uh, make sure you hit him up at Seth O'Ott or at Soko Show Pod on the tweets. And uh, let him know what other music you would suggest. Maybe there's some some Michelle Branch B-sides that Seth hasn't heard yet that you can recommend to him. I'm sure there's <laughs> got to be some 90s girl pop that he hasn't heard. Maybe not, but I bet I bet, the, I bet our listeners know some that they can recommend to you. 
I'm I'm just really glad that that uh, man. I feel like a woman hasn't come up yet. Oh, it will. Um, <laughs> um, also, too, though, uh, while we're on the topic of music, any of you who think you can take me down in song quiz, you got another thing coming. So try and challenge me because in 2000s music right now, I'm on a 46 game win streak. <laughs> so I, I need someone to to actually challenge me because this is getting real embarrassing. People log in and face me, and instantly, as soon as I get the first like two questions right, they know they're going to lose. They're already down by 40 points. So get in here, try and challenge me. If you have uh, any, if you have anything other than like an an Apple phone, you can get your Google Assistant up there uh, and play it, r- play me right on your phone. Let's do this. Ooh, Seth's issuing a fucking challenge. I like it. I am the queen. See if you can I take am. on the Macho Man, uh, the Macho <laughs> Music Man, that is, uh, when it comes to Ots Pop. So that's, uh, I think you and I should play sometime. Ots Pop. Ots Pop. Dude, there's a podcast. <laughs> 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 but we cannot do it right now, Seth. Right now is not time for Ots Pop. It's time for the SoCo Show, and it's time to get into it. And we got to start like we always do here on the SoCo Show with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Uh, so I know you'll like this this chic tweet. Of course, uh, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show before, but you uh, were once the president of a hip-hop dance club Goddamn right at Iowa State. I think we've talked about it. I am uh, cream. Cream of dance. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> my drink is in my nose. <laughs> oh, God, you got uh, me. <laughs> so, Iron Cheek uh, tweeted uh, this this week something that I think you'll appreciate. Iron Cheek tweeted, "Just dance or just be a jabroni." <laughs> That's true. That's, those are the only two options any man has: it's either to dance or be a jabroni. <laughs> what uh, What do you think some of the Sheik's best dance moves are? Do you think he does like the electric slide, or do you think he's doing like the the um, the floss move? What do you think he's into? He's probably doing the Pee Wee Herman dance. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can picture. I can picture the Sheik doing that. I like to picture him spinning around on his head, though. I think that's what the Sheik gets into. I bet so. Yeah. Iron Sheik is breaking it down and busting a move this week in Sheik tweets. <laughs> I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get your first 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. I will shout out, uh, I I talked about it weeks and weeks ago. I I had pre-ordered The Vexed Generation, which is the newest book in the uh, Magic 2.0 series. Uh, I'm I'm about a third of the way into that book, and I'm really enjoying it so far, and the production value is fantastic, so... Uh, if you want to check that out, do so, and you can get it for free on Audible. So make sure you hit the link. Free. There you go, in the in the box. Uh, also, we have Mathis Designs, etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Bono! <laughs> this fucking guy again. <laughs> and finally, Mike's Wood, etsy.com slash shop slash wed to get your wood worked. Uh... Oh, that's a nice, polite little orgasm there. Really appreciate that. <clears throat> oh, there was more. <laughs> Man, if I had a dollar for every time that happened. Ding, ding. There you go. Ding, ding. 
<laughs> Let's keep it rolling. We're going to get into some TV news. That's what she said. TV. Just kidding. It's not news. We are going to be announcing the next uh, the next big thing to come out of the SoCo show. Uh, it is TV related, which is why we have it in this section. Uh, and um, I guess it's, it's it's a Seth led project. Seth, why don't you tell the folks what you're working on? Uh, it's a, a hidden camera show that I've been working on for a long time. I have cameras in Cody's bedroom. Oh no, uh, he doesn't know where, and uh, <laughs> you can see some interesting things. So get ready for that. Uh, <laughs> that'll that'll premiere on the uh, Soco YouTube channel. So get ready for that. Oh no, it's um, gonna get canceled faster in Swamp Thing. <laughs> you could call it uh, ironic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Ironically, uh, it's about you and your uh, cleaning of your swamp ass mostly. So, <laughs> no. Uh, so we've talked before. I've said that a lot this episode. We've talked before about how how uh, massive of a fan I am of the summer show, summer competition show, Big Brother. And I say competition show because it is a competition. It's a game, the game of Big Brother, slightly influenced by producers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I can't talk about Big Brother with anyone uh, because Cody only watched for one season uh, when when we lived together, and then he you know decided to be a dickhole and quit watching. So well. I, I... <laughs> It's just so much time. There's so much Big Brother on for five months out of the year. So, you know what I said? I I thought to myself, I love Big Brother. I don't get to talk about it much with people. Like, once every few few weeks or months uh, that I I run into people. Steph from Mathis Designs likes likes Big Brother. So I get to talk with her about it every once in a while. Usually, like, at the end of the season and be like, oh, what would you think about this season? So if I can't talk to anyone about it, I figured I'm going to talk to myself about it. So... (laughs) That that this will be a new weekly short podcast slash YouTube uh, show. It's just going to be the podcast on YouTube. But we we need to. We thought you know let's util, let's utilize our YouTube channel a little bit more. We used to put the podcast on there. Realized that takes way too long to upload, and no one listens to it because it's so long. So this is going to be condensed, fifteen minutes uh, at most. Uh, show about Big Brother recapping, recapping uh, what happened in the week. So uh, the first one will will be this week, and it'll just kind of be talking about for those because I encourage. I know it's a lot of show. It's it's three hours a week. It's three episodes. Two Tuesday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday, or Wednesday, Thursday. I think it's going to switch this season uh, and Sunday. And so these will post on Saturday to kind of recap the week's uh, events of Big Brother. And the first one will be kind of explaining Big Brother. Um, if for those who haven't watched it and, uh, maybe give a little, uh, preview of the season based off of what they've already released. But, uh, I would encourage you for anyone who's never watched Big Brother, give it a couple weeks, um, and listen to uh, the new weekly show, which will be called previously on Big Brother, which if you watch Big Brother, that is what the Big Brother guy voice always says. He always says previously on Big Brother. It's a spot then, on uh, fucking, that's a really good impression for folks who don't know. Well, I watched the show for 20, 20 seasons now. So, <laughs> but yeah, so th- th- watch out for the first watch out. It's gonna get you uh, for the first episode th- th- this this week. Kind of giving a preview, but I'll go a little bit in depth into how the game works. Again, if you never watched it before or watched it in the past and gave it a little bit of a shot, uh, I'll talk about it a little bit in the show. But 
please give at least the first episode a shot and listen to my plea. My, I'm going to beg you to watch this show because it is a game. Uh, for those who like sports, there is a game element involved. It's human chess is what Big Brother is. It is human chess, and I love every second of it. And so I want uh, for you people to enjoy it, to, to join me with it. You people. You people. You people, <laughs> <laughs> you people specifically to... <laughs> To, to join me on this journey of Big Brother. I'm going to get you into it. I'm going to get you hooked because I know people like you lived with me uh, for at least that one summer and watched it because you were basically forced to because you lived on my couch. Yeah, we had one and... room. I couldn't exactly go away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but our other roommate, Matt, has watched it and has been into it. I've explained it to people and gotten people excited about it before. I hope to do that again. I want people to join me so I can have a discussion about it because I just want to talk about talk about Big Brother people. Because I have 20 years of watching this damn show, and I love it, and it's only on once a year, and it's an event, and I and it's it's my favorite. So uh, check out this week, probably on Saturday, uh, the first episode of previously Soko presents Soko Show presents previously on Big Brother. There you go. That's the plug, folks. Uh, we'll talk about it every week. The so from a podcast standpoint. The Big Brother podcast previously is going to be, uh, it'll be in your same podcast feed. So yes. where the same place you go to listen to the SoCo show, you will also see the Big Brother show uh, every week on there. Um, otherwise, you can also go out to the YouTubes, uh, not at Jared Buckendall, but to our YouTubes, which I will link to in the description box. Uh, so you can make sure you're subscribed there so you get uh, previously and, um, you know, maybe some other things uh, that would warrant um, subscribing to the YouTube without saying too much more. So, Well, it's the uh, Hidden Camera Show. Yeah, the Hidden Cam... <laughs> Swamp Thing starring Cody Michael uh, <laughs> will also be premiering on the YouTube. So make sure you follow us on the YouTubes. Make sure your notifications are on so you can get booped every Saturday when uh, Seth drops the uh, previously on Big Brother show. So uh, I, I can I can vouch for the fact that Seth is so into Big Brother, it will make you into Big Brother. So <laughs> if you at all are interested in watching the show or if you already are a fan of the show, uh, make sure you check it out because you're going to want Seth's insight. Uh, you'll, le- you'll learn a lot about the show and how, um, how it's a, a sport as if you didn't uh, <laughs> emphasize it enough. <laughs> um, so um, great stuff to come on that show. And uh, yeah, so then you can catch that on Saturday, and then on Sunday you'll you'll catch uh, Swamp Thing presented by Cottonelle Flush Wipes. Your <laughs> Swamp Ass will get canceled faster than the DC Universe show. <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant! We're not. We're, I have to say, we're not sponsored by Cottonelle Fresh Wipes, but we we wouldn't mind being. So if you guys know anybody at Cottonelle, uh, send them our way because that's just dropped a sick ass promo. I'm gonna go buy some wipes. I know that much. Yeah. Hey, they do get rid of Swamp Ass pretty quick. You just want one swipe and it's gone. <laughs> All right. Well, enough about Seth's ass. Uh, <laughs> let's keep the show rolling. Uh, and we do have a bit of TV news to talk about. So this is a, uh, we got a renewal, kind of a surprise renewal for a second season of a show that both Seth and I really enjoyed. We were a little bit surprised to hear that we're getting a renewal for this show. Uh, Seth, you were the first to watch it and review it on this show. You want to talk about what we're talking about? Yes. Just like a Russian doll, uh, more seasons will pop out from the center. Uh, <laughs> Russian doll season two has been has been, been uh, approved by Netflix. Uh, I'm trying to do more headlines, so that, that one was off the dome. You're doing fucking um, great, dude. <laughs> so, yes, Russian doll uh, gets a season two. This is kind of an interesting 
renewal because it, it is a very popular show. There there was a, a lot of uh, people online and people that I know that have watched the show and really, really enjoyed it. We both loved it. Uh, one of one of my favorite recent Netflix shows. I, I think the same for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, I think we even talked about even in our review. If I if I'm remembering quick, uh, remembering correctly, it's been a long time, so uh, I don't remember even what happened last week. But the, uh, the this is kind of a show that ended. It kind of had a perfect arc and a perfect uh, you know wrap up. It it ended uh, really nicely and had uh, kind of a nice sim- symbolic uh, finish that didn't leave a whole lot of room for a second season. And so it's, it's an interesting renewal in that that aspect. Uh, also, it, it took a while, though, too, for it to be renewed. So, it, you know, it's been out for a few months now. So, you know, we've kind of talked off air, too. Maybe they took some time before they actually did it to make sure they had a an idea that would actually work for another season and would make sense. We've, we've talked about this a little bit before, too. When shows, especially shows, continue after a logical end, uh, what that kind of means and how do we feel about it. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you feel about Russian Doll Season 2? Is this something you're excited for? Are you skeptical about it? Um, in general, what do you think about these type of shows that have an, an end that can come back? Because it usually seems to be 50-50 whether these work or not. I'm going to be really I, I think cautiously optimistic is how i'll describe my feelings about this because i thought they did a really good job with that with the first season and had a really great wrap-up i would not have been disappointed if we never got more russian doll but mm-hmm. there is some stuff going on in russian you don't completely know what's going on by the end of russian doll you know there there's mm-hmm. a satisfying conclusion but not everything gets explained and so i think that leaves room for us to learn more about what's going on, which to me is always interesting, except when it's not. Because there mm-hmm. are plenty of shows and, and movies and things that, you know, the mystique about what's going on is what makes it interesting. And mm-hmm. finding out the facts and here's what here's what's happening um, isn't always helpful. And so it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it could be very cool to hear more about what's going on, or it could be very annoying. And I think a movie that is very similar and was compared to Russian Doll was Happy Death Day. Mm-hmm. And we saw Happy Death Day to you earlier this uh, earlier this this year in 2019. And I think it, that movie was better than it had any business being. Um, mm-hmm. It did go into here's why this happened, and then also yep. expanded out on you know, the characters that we already knew in a way that was satisfying. I thought it, they did a pretty good job with that. So there, yep. this can work. I am, I'm still nervous. I think that the, the risk here is, is higher than the reward. I don't know that they're going to make me like this show better by adding more to it, but there is room here, I think for something good. And my hope is that the distance between, you know, when this was released and when it's greenlit meant that they waited until they had a really good idea before they pursued that instead of just everyone's watching it, put more out. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I may do what I did with 13 Reasons Why for this one and not watch it until I get positive reviews. Um, mm-hmm. That may be my tactic, but who knows? I mean, maybe the promos will will get me hooked in day one, but I did really enjoy Russian Doll and I'm happy with it as it is. So uh, I don't need more, but I'm certainly open to, you know, the potential for, for an improvement on an already great show. You know, it's hard, hard to say, no, don't give me more of the show I like. But, you know, it, who knows? It could go anyway. 
Right. Yeah, I, I think, and you you mentioned 13 Reasons Why, and that's a good example because that came out, was a huge thing, huge hit. You know, I've talked about it before, how much I love that first season. And then the next, like, within the next week, they announced season two. And that wasn't one, two, where I'm like, don't do another season. Mm-hmm. It ended perfectly. This one, though, like you said, I think there is more. Because, like, 13 Reasons Why, that ended. And I'm like, okay, story's done. Figured it out. He moved on, driving off into the sunset. Good. There wasn't really much more, other than maybe some of the aftermath, which... That's really not a super interesting show. That's just a bunch of kids going to, you know, the therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's not that's not a not the most interesting show. And then they, you know, added a whole bunch of shit that ruined it. Russian Doll, like you said, there's a little bit more lore to it. There's, you know, why is this happening? You know, that that type of thing. So you can go into that. I think also too is is Russian Doll is a little bit more of a centralized story. Uh, there's only a few char- few main characters, whereas like 13 Reasons Why, there was a whole bunch of characters and they added a bunch of characters and it made it all convoluted. So I think if they keep the story pretty centralized with some of the main characters in Russian Doll, uh, explain what's going on. I just hope they don't go into the same loop again and they just recreate the, the show, basically what it was. I hope they they can do something where it still has the same feel the first season, but change it up so it's not the same thing over again. Uh, I think that's going to be the key to this because if it's if it's just the same season or if they change it too much, then you run the risk of following along the lines of, you know, thirteen reasons why. Mm-hmm. With Russian Doll, I think they handled the first season with such care that you know, as long as the the creative minds behind it are are the same people, and they feel mm-hmm. like they have a good idea, then you know, I'm I'm on the optimistic side. But uh, you know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see. Um, but. I, I am more optimistic about this than I was uh, 13 Reasons Why season two. I decided way ahead of time I was yeah. watching that. So <laughs> we'll see. But I think it, I don't blame you. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, you know, with, with shows like this. And I'm struggling to think of an example of specifically a show. They do it in movies all the time. And it's fine in mm-hmm. movies where, you know, there was a conclusion. And now let's tack on to it. We're about to get four more fucking Avatar movies. Um, but uh, in TV... It seems like most of the time you get either you overstay your welcome and it gets bad and then you end. Or you get you end it at the right time with the right story and it ends. Or you get we we ran the arc we wanted, but people wanted more, so we continued it and it got bad. Right? Rarely do you see a show where it had a logical arc and then they decided to tack more on and it was good. And I'm not even I can think of like like Chuck. I really liked some of the later seasons of Chuck, uh, even though they brought it to what they thought was going to be its end before mm. they got renewed. You're not as big a fan as the late seasons of Chuck as I am, but um, yeah, it's uh, I can't think of another example. Can you think of one like this so, that worked out well? Yes, but with a caveat, and that's uh, uh, Breaking Bad um, with Better Call Saul. Mm. Uh, it's I know it's a different show, but it's still within the universe and everything and that's something that it's shows try and do that too Mm -hmm. and they try and you know put a show on a different character and it sucks because it's not the same show the better call saul is as good and some sometimes better than breaking bad i think that's my prime example of of a show continuing or at least the universe kind of continuing um that had a ton of hesitation people were not psyched about better call saul and then it's you know, it just got better and better and better and better, and people love that show now. So, including me, cannot wait for the new season. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's one example. I know they're also doing the movie, and and I'm, I'm I'm excited to see that. 
but uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of a lot of shows that do that. Um, Walking Dead that keeps going and that just although the last season was better it was a lot better I liked it a lot um, Fear of the Walking Dead though isn't a very good show would you count The Office because after Michael leaves which would have been a good end for the show there's some good stuff after that would you count that I mean the last season is the last season stinks but farts. there's a couple in there that uh, good. yeah then the finale was amazing but yeah maybe yeah that definitely I mean it definitely overstayed its welcome mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's another, you know, it's, it's a loved show. Uh, I know they talked about doing Sopranos, doing a Sopranos movie or a prequel show or whatever. Some people are excited. Some people are not. It, these big IPs, people, studios, uh, you know, companies like, you know, cable companies, whatever, they try and to do more of it and, to, you know, to get an extra, a little bit of extra scratch or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's just not not stereotypically a good track record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough it's a tough world, especially with TV because you have to have so much going on in an additional season of TV. But I think in the case of of Russian Doll and of limited series as a whole, you know, because I know mm-hmm. like um, the Sinner is the one that's held up. Yeah, Big Little that's a good Lies one. is a huge one that's come back, and people are really enjoying the new season. Um, and there are more that I'm not able to. Uh, uh, Dear Dear White People was one that had a really good first season, could have ended there, but then came back with another because it did well and, and expanded and did really well. So it can be done. I think it it works better in a limited series because you do have a story was told, and now you mm-hmm. can tell a new story. And I think that's a big part of it. And that's that's I think why movies are more able to get away with this. Why Happy Death Day was able to get away with it, and because of the format of Russian Doll, the, the fact that movies are doing it well and other limited series are doing it well does give me more hope than if Big Bang Theory were to come back in a year for another season. You know, that would mm-hmm. be that would probably be stupid. Um, bet money they'll fucking try it, though. Um, but well, there's they got young Sheldon going still. Oh, I forgot so. about young Sheldon. Fuck that. Um, but um, but I do think got one. the fact that it's limited series and it's so similar to a film in that way, I think you know, warrants additional optimism. I just, I just remembered one. Uh, we got, uh, honey boo boo and mama June. Oh my God. Fucking hell. Yeah, man. Perfect combo for per- perfect series. Perfect follow up to honey boo boo. Yeah. We're going to move on. Um, <laughs> let us know what your thoughts are Skating butter. on the, uh, renewal of Russian doll. Are you excited for a second season? And what are some other limited series or, or similar type shows that, that you want to see give another season a shot and, or, what are some shows that gave it a second season or additional seasons past its logical end that you thought really sucked that we forgot to mention? Uh, let us know about all of this on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael at Seth Owat or at Soko Show Pod. We talk a lot about like you know storytelling and when should you stop telling a story, and I think this is something that you and I have been talking about for years, and I think we'll continue to talk about it on the show. So let us know, folks out there, what what your opinions are on that very subject. <laughs> I cannot believe I'm about to. <laughs> I cannot believe we're going to kick it to this show, um, but we do have another edition this week of Seth's TV Corner. Television. Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. I have to imagine you've been very bored <laughs> sometime in the last couple weeks because this <laughs> is this is a show I didn't know you were watching. I don't know why anyone would watch, and it's going to take some convincing. Um, to get me intrigued in it, uh, I, I just, I'm, you said, this is the show I want to review today. And I said, oh, okay, well, 
let's let's fucking give it a shot. So I guess sell. I don't know. I don't know if you like it or not. Maybe you're gonna have to sell me on the show, or maybe you're gonna shit on it. But let the folks know what I'm talking about here. <laughs> Why are you being such a shithead? I about just it right I just now? don't get it. Like, and <laughs> I you know what? I'll shut up. The floor is yours, and I I am listening. I am listening. Well, for one, the show is Tuca and Birdie, um, which is uh, by the um, person who drew. Uh, and I don't know if still probably still draws the uh, does the animation for Bojack Horseman. It's uh, basically the same animation of Bojack Horseman, but I do not think is in the same universe as Bojack Horseman. It is, but it's it's basically Bojack Horseman, but not as depressing. Pass. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll say pass, but it is uh, Bojack Horseman uh, has been reviewed extremely well, as has Tuca and Birdie. So suck my balls. So, uh, Tukan Birdie is, uh, Tukan Birdie is basically, uh, it, it, it's voiced, uh, Tuka is voiced by Tiffany Haddish, and that's my booty hoe, and, uh, and Birdie is voiced by Ali Wong, and it's a show about, uh, these two birds, they're best friends, uh, Tuka is a toucan, and, uh, Birdie is, uh, just a bird, I don't know what kind of bird, um, Brilliant. but, uh, what? Brilliant. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> I'm going to hate on this show until you give me a reason not to. <laughs> well, so basically it, it's the show. I mean, just like how Bo, Bojack Horseman does, it deals with basically every topic you can possibly think of in in, in a very uh, earnest way, but also in a way because it's animation, it's... They, they can get away with a lot more and also kind of throw in some weird, wacky comedy. But Tuca and Birdie, uh, it's a little bit more lighthearted. I mean, it does deal with some pretty serious things. Uh, one major thing it does deal with, is, and it does it pretty well, is like uh, sexual harassment in the workplace um, through birds. And <laughs> so, okay, so again, uh, Tiffany Haddish, Ali Wong, and then Stephen Young from Walking Dead uh, is the boyfriend uh, of, of uh, Birdie. It deals with that as well. It deals with relationships and uh, commitment, and <laughs> like Birdie is always throughout the throughout the series, she's kind of trying to figure out if she wants to. And this is something that you know, like a, a lot of people can can deal with, is you know whether you want to spend your life with a person or not, and trying to deal with that and, and figuring that out. It deals with friendship and like growing together and apart through a friendship and. One person might be, you know, growing and, and wanting to do new things. And the other one's trying to stick with the same, you know, the same place. A lot of, like, really tough subject matter is dealt with through this show. It deals with, like, family stuff. Like, uh, um, having to deal with, like, par- after parents being dead and how other other uh, family members kind of view you and, and compare you to that person and, and that type of thing. It's There's, again, a lot of crazy, like, real deep stuff that they deal with. But in a way that because it's more digestible, it, you know, you're not actually seeing people deal with it. You're seeing animated birds, just like in Bojack Horseman, you're seeing shit like depression and drug use and all that stuff. Again, you can see how it's a little less depressing because it's not, you know, depression and drug use and all that stuff. But it is still serious stuff that's dealt with in a, in a really honest way. And uh, Tiffany Haddish and Ali Wong both doing an awesome job in the show of of being uh being good conduits through this and, and, and knowing when to ramp up the comedy and knowing when to really take it serious. 
It is actually a really, really funny show. And I think one thing that they do well in this one compared to BoJack is that they do different types of animation style other than just like the animals. They do, um, there's some like uh, stop motion stuff there. Sometimes there's like real people's hands that come in and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. More stylized animation where it's not just like, they do different colors and kind of make it almost look like a trip in a way. Uh, They do some cool things with like representing stuff through dreams or they morph the animation style. It's a little bit more of an artistic thing than probably Bojack is. Bojack is pretty much straight, you know, the the same animation throughout. And this one kind of takes some chances there. Um, The other thing I also really like though, that kind of added a lot of comedy factor is there's a shitload of background jokes uh, so there's like signs posted that have like really quick jokes in them that you have to would pause to read and they're, they're really funny if you catch them. Uh, there's people in the background that are doing things that are pretty funny. Uh, they do like some of these funny things where they like zoom out and show um, like a video game thing, almost like a Mario, like, you know, Mario goes to the tube mm-hmm. uh, and they kind of like pull out and show like. Instead of like it being Mario, Tuka and, Tuka and Speckle is Steven Yun's name is the boyfriend. Um, they're like traveling through um, a sewer and they see like different weird things. And, and there's like other birds that are like, I don't know, like doing drugs or whatever it is. I don't know, like just a lot of random stuff that happens. That's really funny if you catch it. So I'd say this is probably a little bit more funny than BoJack because BoJack does deal with a lot more serious stuff. So they they go for the joke a little bit more often in this, but it's again still deals with some some really deep subject matter. The voice performances though are all really great all around. I, I would say though I, I was I think I was a little less connected to this just probably because it's a little bit newer of a show and did deal with some things that maybe I haven't really seen firsthand or personally dealt with, so I didn't connect with it as much as some of the things in BoJack. And again, I, I haven't spent as much time with these characters. So as this goes on, I might give this a higher rating, um, but it does do a really good job uh, all around. So I enjoyed it a lot, minus a few episodes here and there where I wasn't quite fully into it. Uh, I liked it quite a bit. It's uh, If you like BoJack, definitely uh, check this one out. But And maybe too, if, if, you have not, you know, if you've watched BoJack and you weren't super into it, this might be a better introduction in because it does it it doesn't deal like the first season of bojack is definitely not as strong because it is just sad and rough through that first season um but this is a lot more happy and you can get into it they ease you into their relationship and then start dealing with some of the the harder stuff so uh, i took and birdie i'm gonna give 4.4 booty hells out of five <laughs> and she does say that a few times in the show oh actually. my gosh of course she does it's my booty hell so Cow. that's um god damn it you kind of made me want to watch this you fucker <laughs> and it's it's 30 minute comedy yep uh 20 yeah like 26 motherfucker okay well i'm probably gonna actually give this a shot I, in, an, in an effort to expand my my uh my you know my my preconceived ideas of what i like i am going to try Tuca and birdie is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give this a shot and I will report back. Um, it's getting great reviews. Uh, 7.4 on IMDb is a great score. 100% still on Rotten Tomatoes right now. A lot of folks are liking it on, on Netflix. I, yeah, I, I will try it. I, I hope you, you've gotten me from fuck this show, why are we reviewing it, all the way up to I will try it. So you, you sir, deserve to, <laughs> you deserve to be commended. <laughs> there you go. You earned, Booty you earned it, buddy. Good stuff. Tuca and Birdie, 4.4 4 
booty hose at a five. Good score for Tuca and Birdie this week in the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Let's move off of television and into the world of movies. Uh, and Seth, we talked a little bit ago about, you know, what happens when we bring back and we, we for lack of a better way of putting it, have a sequel to a, 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 a property or a show or a movie that was already finished. And how can that go wrong? We're going to talk about that very thing this week in Mambo Number 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number 5. So we five. are going to count down, I think, a pretty straightforward uh, concept here. We're going to talk about sequels that have disappointed. So these are our top five or maybe our bottom five uh, disappointing sequels. And so um, these are not, not necessarily reboots. And we'll talk a little bit later on about what inspired this, this topic um, so it's not necessarily reboots, but shows that take place within the same continuity, movies that take place within the same continuity of the original film. So sequels slash like a soft reboot could count. So let's count them down. These are our top five disappointing sequels. Number five. I'm hoping you don't jump down my throat on this one because I know you're a fan of this series. But I have, I have Taken 2. I do not. I, that, that was an honorable mention okay. for me. So I love Taken. You and I both do. We, we are big fans of old men beating ass. But Taken 2, the pro, you know what the problem is with Taken 2? And this is going to be really short. I don't remember fucking anything about Taken 2. See, I, I would have put, and honestly, probably Taken 3 was probably the worst sequel. That movie was Yeah, that's straight, right. But, that movie stinks. Um, but Taken 2 is probably the most disappointing, though, because Taken 1 was so good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would, yeah. It, Taken 3 is butt. But Taken Two was uh, was was sad. But <laughs> my number five isn't necessarily like a bad movie, but I was utterly disappointed after watching it. Uh, I think you know where I'm going with this one. It's uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Ooh, yeah. You know, I kind of suspect it's not on my list. It's not anywhere near my list because I like that movie way more than yeah. most people. But I kind of suspected you might have it because you were so high on The Dark Knight. Is that kind of what what prompted that? Yeah, I was that. So that summer, I think we might have talked about again. I keep saying that uh, this episode we, we <laughs> we've were done ninety nine episodes. We can, we're going to repeat yeah, ourselves true. every now and then. It's true. Uh, that summer was both Avengers and Dark Knight. And I, Dark Knight Rises, and I was infinitely more excited for Dark Knight Rises. Uh, and it came out after the Avengers, and it came out in July of that year. And I, you know, I was so pumped. I was so excited. I couldn't wait. I was like, Dark Knight was so great. I loved it. It's my favorite movie. And and then Dark Knight Rises comes out, and I'm like, well, that was a movie. <laughs> and I, I just, there's so many things wrong with that movie that I can, I, I, on on the whole, I can like look past a lot of things as a movie. Um, but in terms of like the standard that had already been set with with the you know the whole Nolan verse thing. I, you know, I, I was just really disappointed. I was really expecting with it being the final movie, the, you know, the end of the trilogy, I was really expecting them to just knock it out of the park and, and be to be for the movie to be as big as, you know, Dark Knight was and as good as Dark Knight was. And it just really wasn't. It, it was a letdown. So, yeah, it was I was very disappointed walking out of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. And I, I totally get all the criticism of it. Um, but for whatever reason, that's one of those movies where I was just like, fuck it. I don't care. They can get away with having his back heel and him travel across the globe in like a day. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, I, for whatever reason, with my suspension of disbelief was at an all-time high. And I, by the way, I cannot track my suspension of disbelief because I ripped fucking Captain Marvel to shreds for a whole bunch of crap. Mm-hmm. And I still let Dark Knight rise. Maybe it's because it's a woman. <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> I guess I'm a sexist. But yeah, no, I, I, I like I like Dark Knight Rises better than most. But I agree, it it is a it is a steep fall off from Dark Knight, which is which is a part of this list is how much you loved the first movie compared to what you ended up getting. I think what, someone actually brought up too uh, in a podcast I listened to that made sense. In that movie, there wasn't a whole lot, like other than him, you know, healing from his broken back and climbing out of the hole, there wasn't really a journey for him to like come back from. Like a, there was no lesson learned really. It was just like my back's healed and I crawled out of this hole. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming to kick your ass, Bane. Like that, that was it. And like most... Like even you know Dark Knight, there was you know the whole, you know he had to he had to make that decision between the two and like the good versus evil type thing, mm-hmm. and he had to he make the choice. This one there was just like, all right, I'm back, <laughs> and that that was pretty much his whole the whole journey thing for for him in that movie, and it just kind of felt. And also it's just sad because you know the, they've talked about since the plans for that movie to be, um, it was really supposed to be like. Joker. It was going to be Joker centric again, and it was going to be kind of a whole encompassing thing of the entire trilogy. And they were really going to, you know, drive it home with with Joker. And it kind of, you know, they couldn't do it, obviously. So it just, it all just felt like it was kind of piecemealed together, and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. So number four, my number four is not a movie I think you saw, um, but this is I think it's from like 2011 or 12, The Thing which is mm-hmm. kind of a, it's a sequel, but also like a soft reboot slash prequel. Um, it's very weird the way that it, and unless you know the thing that I, I'm not even going to explain the timing of it because it's not going to make sense. Um, but essentially, well, actually, I can actually break this down pretty simply. The the events of the thing from like 2011 or whatever the fuck uh, immediately precede the events of the original John Carpenter thing from 70s or 80s. And so it's, I guess, in a, a prequel in that way. Um, but it also kind of expands upon what you know about the thing. And really, it was an attempt to make the same movie with updated effects and a new cast. And it did not work. It just just was flat and didn't do enough new with, uh, with you know, the creatures. Um, this was a case where the, the practical effects from 40 years ago... Uh, works so well that when they CG'd the stuff, uh, you know, post 2000, it was worse. And so it was, it wasn't even, you know, I don't know. And, and to take a classic and try to, you know, sort of remake it while trying to be in the same continuity, just, it just flat out didn't work. And there's not a lot more to say other than just, you know, first of all, do you remember that movie coming out? Probably fucking not because it no, it didn't do anything. <laughs> and that that was with good reason because it just it just wasn't good. I, I had an enjoyable enough time with it. But to follow up a classic like The Thing uh, with this was not good. So this is one I could have had higher. But I think the the disparity between the first or, you know, the prior movie and the next one is what sets apart my top three from these um, because the thing is is just it just doesn't really register it's like taken two i don't really remember much about it it just it happened and now it's gone <laughs> and that's pretty much it my number four uh is a sequel to a, a comedy that kind of came out of nowhere but jump-started a whole lot of careers and that's hangover part two yo guess what my number three is 
Well, we're kicking the can. Well, we don't have to kick it because I'm going to be right after you. We can still talk about it now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Hangover Part 2, uh, that first one was was awesome. Kind of came out of nowhere. Everyone loved it. I loved it. And then Hangover 2 comes out, and we, uh, I think we went to that one together. And uh, it was it was bad. It was not good. Yeah, that movie stinks. Talk about just trying it's to so... remake the fucking same movie. All they did was change the yeah. location. They even made the same guy. Is it Doug? They even they yeah. hit Doug for the whole movie. It's the same fucking thing. <laughs> And it was so bad that I didn't even see the third one. I still have never seen the third one. Oh, my God. I didn't either. You're right. <laughs> Holy shit. Did we not watch The Hangover 3? No. I've never seen it. Holy shit. And as, a, you know, the completionist that you are, that's that should be shocking to our listeners. And it is to me. But you're right. I, I never watched it either. It's weird. I wonder what happens to him. <laughs> God, now we're going to have to go. Now you put that back on my radar. I'm going to have to go watch that fucking thing. <laughs> I still kind of don't want to. I kind of want to just live my life not knowing what happens to those fucking idiots. <laughs> On your deathbed, you'll be like, what happened in the Hangover 3? <laughs> <laughs> number 3. So my number 3 was the Hangover 2. I got a little overzealous instead of kicking the can. Yeah. So your number 3 is? My number 3 is perfect for the number. It is Spider-Man 3. <laughs> I fucking knew you'd have Spider-Man 3. I'll just let you do your thing and I'll, I'll try not to interrupt. Go ahead. Talk about butt. That movie is straight butt. Um, <laughs> I know you watch it to uh, a, a try and prove a point. Basically, your point is that you like that movie because you're a fan of any Spider-Man movie. But that movie's bad. It is not good. The villains are bad. The uh, <laughs> Tommy Maguire dancing is fucking moronic. Okay. You're testing my patience it's just, here, Seth. They just load it with villains because it's fucking dumb. Um, apparently, too, I heard this the other day. Sam Raimi just he he only wanted I think I think he only wanted Sandman in that movie. Yeah, he didn't want Venom. And yeah, he didn't want Venom. Nor did he want I don't think the Hobgoblin thing or whatever Green Goblin, whatever he's supposed to. Be. You know, it's weird. They called um, him. They, he's, he, he's um he's credited as New Goblin, which is fucking stupid. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the movie's stupid. You're hey. right. Um, <laughs> don't twist my words. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's just it, it's a it's just a big jumbled mess of badness. I love Topher Topher Topher. I love Topher Grace, but he is a he is the worst casting choice for Eddie Rock. He's even said it himself, um, but he just couldn't turn it down because of the the money and and you know he's a big Spider Man fan. It just it's dumb. It's bad. It go away. <laughs> Some someday I will uh, I will I will write an essay about why that movie is not as bad as you say. For now, I will I will give you your points and say, I will say this. Spider-Man is not nearly as bad as you say, but it is a steep drop-off from Spider-Man 2, which is one of the best superhero yeah. movies ever made. So, I did have Spider-Man 3 on my honorable mentions, but it is still awesome. I will, I'll, I'll save my, I'll save my passionate defense of Spider-Man 3 for another day, but just know that it's, it's, it's out there. Number two. Um, maybe this is one you have on your list. We were such big fans of Denzel Washington in The Equalizer. Ooh, I do not. That's a good honorable mention. You didn't have it. Because this is one, Equalizer 2, just is not very entertaining. This is a movie that tries to expand upon the, like we talked about before, there's this mysterious character in the first one, and we don't really know quite what his motivations are or where he comes from or any of that stuff. The sequel gives you all of that, so no more mystery. 
It also ramps up the superhero-ness of the main character, which the the based in realism of the first one was what was cool about it. So they kind of turn mm-hmm. him into a superhero. They have this they have a plot line where with like this young protege that he kind of has that is completely useless uh, and just bloats the runtime to over two hours when it should have been nowhere near that. Uh, there's a villain in here that stinks. There's some plot twists in here that stink. There's some CG and some the way they shoot the action in here stinks. It basically took everything that was great about Equalizer and said, nah, fuck that. We got Denzel killing people. That's all we need to worry about. And that was not true. This is a movie that we both, I think we did a ride home for this. And uh, we were just like, oh, man, yeah. that was not that was not great. So I, I choose to think that The Equalizer is a standalone film and not, not never got a sequel. Uh, yeah, it definitely should have uh, should should have been made at least differently. I, like I I would have liked. I mean, I I would have loved for that to be a better movie because I think there's I think there is money in that franchise. But yeah, that movie was butt. And I tried here. I I I heard someone trying to defend that uh, recently. Defend that movie, saying it was good. No, it's not good. It's bad. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is, fuck you it guy. Is, it is, yeah. Fuck you, people. Um, it's bad. Uh, my number two. Uh, it's the second appearance of this hero. Uh, it is Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. No, I'm kidding. I was gonna um, say, if you it, just keep talking shit on Spider-Man, I'm gonna get a flight. I mean, Amazing Spider-Man two is but oh my but, god, um, fucking go. Fucking Electro, are you kidding me? I'm gonna, Jamie Fox. I swear to God, you got a punch coming your way, sir. <laughs> no, it's the second appearance of Batman, and it's Batman v, v Superman. That movie is that is, that is fucking Taco Bell fire sauce out of your ass butt. <laughs> that movie is terrible. Um, lava butt. That's even worse than butt. Yeah, is lava that is, butt. That is lava butt. This one, I again, I was super pumped for. Um, I still remember the. Uh, trailers and stuff coming out of Comic-Con. I was searching all over YouTube. I was watching the videos, and then it came out like two years later, and I'm like, I've been waiting so long for this, and, you know, I'm excited for Batfleck, and, you know, he looks looks like a badass, and it looks like a comic book, and then fucking Martha. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just like, that that movie, it just all around is bad. And then people trying saying, the director's cut is better. It's three hours of the same bad movie. Like, I don't, it's... The, the the that movie was good for ten minutes, and it was when Batman is whooping all the ass. That is it. That is the only entertainment that movie provides is Batman beating people up. That movie's bad. It is terrible, and uh, it is it is one of the most disappointing. Wa- I felt defeated walking out of that theater. It was very saddening. I mean, it it by definition was very disappointing because I was right there with you. I was stoked for this, really excited for Batfleck and the cast. I think this is a this is a weird this is a weird situation because this movie. I think is very close to being great. And they made one or two small decisions along the way that shifted it all the way from great and awesome to fucking bad. And I think the editing had a lot to do with it. Uh, this movie is edited in a very strange way. The character motivations are shifting all over the place. Uh, the casting of Lex Luthor, and I like Jesse Eisenberg, and I was excited to see him cast in this, just seemed out of place here. Uh, you have the mm-hmm. introduction of Wonder Woman, which is great, but the villain, the ultimate villain, uh, Doomsday, kind of stinks in this. And there's just, I don't know, th- this movie could have been really great, and there may be a recut of this that is great. Because I think there's a lot of great shots and scenes in here, but it just, for whatever reason, you know, they just could not land this. And it really set into motion the DCEU as an overall disappointment for many years afterwards, <laughs> and now they're trying to, you know, kind of unwind a lot of this stuff. But 
I agree. This one is one I, I forgot uh, to include on my list, but I would have had it in my top five because I was, I was right there with you in terms of being stoked for it. Number one. So this is one that um, I know I reviewed on this podcast. I think I may have even done the explanation uh, and plot summary of this movie. One of my favorite all-time horror movies is The Strangers. And then they had mm. to fucking come out with a sequel last year. And it was not good. Again, it takes it takes the the mysterious villains of the first Strangers, and puts more context around them, so it makes them less scary. Uh, it introduces a total cookie cutter, like I ready to get slaughtered family that makes a ton of stupid decisions. It, it, it expands on the part of what the first Strangers made it great was it was in tight quarters and it had a claustrophobic feel to it. It it, bl- nice. it blows out gross. It blows out the. Um, <laughs> It expands the setting in a way that there's less claustrophobia here. And it, I don't know. They tried to add in this like quirk where the strangers are now really into like music and they always are playing songs when they murder people. And that's something that there's a scene where they murder someone to music in the first movie. It's not, it's not the thing that they do, but they make it into a thing that they do. And it just, it falls back into a lot of like classic, terrible horror movie tropes using these cool bad guys where the first one was so inventive and cool and fresh. And this one just went back to just cookie cutter crap. And uh, this, the second <laughs> strangers, as much as I love the first strangers, the second, the second one was just not good at all. And I can't recommend it to people. And it was, it was very disappointing. Cause you, I mean, you know, I was, I was stoked to get back into that world and see more of those characters. Cause they scared the pants off me mm-hmm. when I saw them the first <laughs> time, but I don't think I even flinched in the second one. It just wasn't, just wasn't uh what's the word I'm looking for? Good? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's neither of those movies I have seen nor will ever see. <laughs> um because you described the first one to me in like whatever in high school or that was one of the first ones you described to me. And uh it's it's scared your description fucking gave me the fucking heebie jeebies. <laughs> so I uh, I was like, all right, not seeing that one. And then yeah, I remember you you saw the second one, and and the reviews were bad, and your reaction was not you know good. So uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that that's that's uh, up there on your list or even number one. So uh, in, in case you needed it to uh, in case you needed it hammered home, I don't know what the se- I, I know because I googled it. I didn't know what the second one was called. It's called it's called the Strangers Pray at Night. Pray at Night. Yeah, and I forgot yeah. that until today. Throw down. <laughs> yeah. So my number one. So this here's the difference between you and I. <laughs> your love for a franchise will cloud your your judgment on a movie or clarify uh, Spider Man Three. I see. Your Spider Man Three is, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, just a giant butt of a movie. <laughs> and, and you know, we've talked about my franchise is uh, the probably an even bigger hero than Spider-Man and you know has more quality movies than than the Spider-Man franchise and that would be the Rocky franchise but there's one giant turd of a movie in in uh, in that that entire uh, library and that's Rocky 5 and Rocky 5 is the most disappointing sequel of all time and for many reasons there's a lot of reasons but um one they just they they take Rocky out of the ring. Isn't that fucking dumb? He's a boxer. <laughs> they have him have a street fight out back of a fucking bar. The other thing is Tommy the Machine Gun is really bad. Like, and the guy's dead, and I feel bad for you know for talking shit about him, but he he is just horse shit. 
not even dog shit. Here's horse shit. <laughs> it, it 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 is bad. Uh, that movie is just just garbage. So so bad that they retconned uh, that movie uh, in Rocky Six. Uh, he's like dying of a brain disease in that movie, and he you know goes and has a street fight <laughs> because uh, Drago punched the fucking lights out of him in Rocky Four. <laughs> Um, so they're like, all right, he has a brain disease. That's why he can't fight. Dumb. Why? And then Rocky six, he's 70 years old and he's in there fighting Mason, the line Dixon. Yeah. The worst, the worst opponent he ever had, not inside of a, of a, of a, of a boxing ring. Uh, no awesome training montage. Like all the other Rocky movies, the him and his relationship, he, he loses all of his money. That's the other thing. he, Rocky is like the most in this world, the most famous boxer ever to live. He is like more famous than Muhammad Ali. He is he is the boxer of you know of all time, and he's living again on the streets of Philadelphia, wearing that ratty ass coat uh, with holes all in it, playing with that fucking bouncy ball, getting meat from the market. No, he's not getting any free things. He doesn't have the restaurant yet. He's he should have he should have a, a he he let Paulie run his fucking bank account. That's stupid. Um, Paulie's a drunk. He, he can barely speak English, and he's losing all of his money for him. There's just so much stupid. Like whoever wrote that, I think is probably Sly. He he was just like, I gotta make some more money, and then all, all of a sudden they make this fucking turd of a movie. It's bad. It is it is very bad. I will say, if you ever watch the Rocky movies, just skip that one. Go straight from Rocky Four to Rocky Balboa. Fifth one doesn't matter at all. They've never referenced it ever. They've re- referenced all the other movies since then in Rocky Six to Creed Two. Not five, though. Tommy the Gun Morrison, or Tommy, sorry, Tommy Morrison's the actor. Tommy the Machine Gun, he he doesn't even exist in the, in the pantheon of Rocky. So, Rocky Five, terrible movie. I love it. You're passionate about that. I'm not even going to pretend. I, w- I was going to pretend and mount an, a, a defense of Rocky Five, but I don't think it would last 10 seconds, honestly, against you. These were our top five disappointing sequels. Did you have any uh, honorable mentions here, Seth? I think we mentioned some of the ones that uh, already that uh, I I had thought of. Yeah, the only one I would add, this is closer to you in Rocky than it is to me in Spider-Man. Uh, the Star Wars prequels were, were mm. kind of disappointing. Um, not to me because I was eight when they came out and I fucking loved them. But as, as I go back as an adult and watch them, they're, they're not outstanding. But um the first two specifically. Uh, Star Wars 3 is one of my favorite uh, Star Wars movies, but I know the prequel trilogy disappoints, so there's a lot of people probably screaming at us in their car, we got to include Star Wars. So there you go. There's Star Wars for you. Uh, what are some of the sequels that disappointed you? Let us know on the tweets uh, or by email. A lot of ways to get a hold of us. Check out the description box for all of our contact info. That's been this week's edition of Mambo Number 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number 5. So we talked about disappointments uh, and disappointing sequels. I want to talk about the year 2018, specifically the summer as it has been so far. 2019? What did I say? <laughs> God damn it, don't do that. 2019. And we were we were chatting beforehand. Uh, we're going to get into some reviews a little bit later on, but I guess to spoil a little bit of what we're going to talk about, the summer has not been good. And when I say the summer, I mean every, basically everything since Avengers Endgame. You know, so May, the month of May and the first couple of weeks of June have really not been very good. And so we thought that it would be good to explore, like, first of all, why is that, you know, and what's been coming out? And second, is it historically bad or is this an always bad time? 
And I think that's a place where we can start because I have here uh, 2018's schedule of films. And 2018 on the whole, pretty great year. There was a lot of really good stuff that came out last year. And so here's a rundown of the things that came out between the beginning of May and the middle of June last year. And I think I think you're going to sense a theme here. Uh, we had Overboard, which was the Anna Ferris remake of the 80s uh, movie. That wasn't very good. But Tully also came out first week of May. So that yeah. was that was a hit, the one that I know you enjoyed. I don't think it was a financial hit, but really well-reviewed. No, it was not. Um, <laughs> May 11th, uh, a movie that I know you looked forward to and saw on day one in theaters, Life of the Party with Melissa McCarthy came out, <laughs> as well as Breaking In, which had Gabrielle Union. And I wanted to see, but never did. Um, but it did not get reviewed well. May 18th included uh, Deadpool 2, which I did not like very much. Yeah. And then the following week was Solo, A Star Wars Story. Disappointing to many. Uh, I did enjoy that one. Yeah. <laughs> I We were kind of flip-flopped in that. I, I, I enjoyed Deadpool 2 for the most part. It was okay. I did not really like Solo. And that's one that I, as I think back on it, it's like, I, it was, yeah, meh. Yeah. Ugh. So then uh, June starts and you get Action Point, which is like the Jackass movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adrift was another one with Shailene Woodley, which I don't so I didn't see, but I've heard good things about actually. Did you ever see Adrift? Yeah, I did not. Mm. No. Uh, and then one, a movie that we disagreed on uh, almost as much as any movie that I can remember, Upgrade. And uh, you mm-hmm. really enjoyed that one. I, I did not like it really at all. But that that wasn't really a wide thing. That was kind of a smaller release. Yeah, it was a smaller release. Um, things ticked up a little bit the following week. June eighth had Hereditary, which was great horror. I like that. Uh, then yeah. it also had Hotel Artemis, which was disappointing, and Ocean's Eight, which was fine. I only watched it a couple months a couple months ago. Did you ever see Ocean's Eight? Did not. Yeah, no. it, it's fine. I mean, there's, I I don't hate it, but it, I don't think it did much. Um, and then June 13th, we had Superfly, which is the remake of the classic movie. I still have not seen Superfly, but want to. And then June 5th, or June 15th, that is, was a really good week. It had Incredibles 2 and Tag. And then uh, the following week, uh, as June came to a close, the last couple of movies to come out were Jurassic World 2, and then Sicario 2, and Uncle Drew. So that was last year's May and June. I mean, really, though, that wasn't... There was like three movies in that list you said that I like. Yeah, there was not a lot of good stuff in there. And it kind of makes you wonder, you know, is this year actually bad or is May and June just bad? You know, uh, this year we've had, you know, The Intruder, uh, Long Shot was a good one, Ugly Dolls I didn't see, Uh, The Hustle was apparently bad, Detective Pikachu made a bunch of money, Uh, Tolkien was bad from what I hear. We had the new Dogs movie. The Sun is also a star. I don't think anybody went to. Uh, John Wick 3 was dope. That's kind of the bright spot. We had Booksmart, best movie of the year so far, directed by me, Olivia Wilde. Uh, Aladdin. (laughs) Aladdin was was one that I I think was better than expected. Brightburn was worse than expected. And then you had uh, Godzilla and Ma, which both weren't very good. And then Rocketman, which was good. So that was kind of another bright spot. And then in June, we've had Dark Phoenix, which stinks. Uh, Secret Life of Pets 2, nobody's going to. And then this past week, we had Men in Black International, which we're going to review in a little bit. Shaft, which nobody's going to. Um, and a couple other things. 
the rest of June is going to be uh, Child's Play and Toy Story 4, as well as Annabelle <laughs> Comes Home and Yesterday, which I'm, I'm optimistic for all of those. Uh, I'm probably not going to see Toy Story 4 because I didn't see the third one, but uh, there's, some, there's a chance for June to make a comeback in its last couple weeks. So, Seth, that's what's been coming out. Do you th- so here's, here's the question I pose to you. Is this year bad compared to last? Actually, now that you read off that list, I think this year is better mm-hmm. than last year. Um, I've I've liked. I'll say that I've liked the movies that have come out. The movies that I've liked that have come out this year, I've liked a lot more than the movies that came out this time last mm-hmm. year. There's a there's a number of the movies since Avengers. Um, well, probably just a couple, a handful that you mentioned that came out that that are in my top ten that. Last year, none of those movies that you mentioned were in my top right. ten at this time last year. So um, there's at least there's a few more movies that have more quality. I think that that have come out this year uh, comparatively. I, I do think though that this time of year is kind of it's rough for for some of these movies. Uh, you usually have one or two really really big ones, and then a you know a couple more mainstream movies that come out that are kind of hit or miss. And you know I I do think you know looking ahead. To the rest of this year, I, I do think that the summer will be better, but it's uh, you know it, it hasn't been great either. Too, I mean, there there has been some movies that have come out that a lot of people have been very very excited about, and they've turned out to be just either highly mediocre or straight up bad. There's been a lot of highly mediocre movies that have come out this year. You know, it's disappointing because this is the time of year too that you know we we want to see we want to go to the theater every week and see a really good movie, but. You know, especially this year, too, is the difference, I think, from this year compared to last year. There's a lot more remakes slash sequels slash continuations this year compared to last year. And to me, what that what that's saying is that studios are trying to just make a couple quick bucks and not think people are going to care about the the quality, because I think that trend has gone up and down where you've seen some of the higher higher rated or higher reviewed movies maybe not make as much money like last year mentioned tully for example Mm -hmm. that had some you know bigger actors and actresses in it um you know for charlie theron who's a really big actress was was the star of that movie that movie didn't make any money and but it was reviewed really well and people who saw it loved it including myself but you know they took a chance on that as a studio i think that was somewhat of a bigger like studio that that put it out but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, and that's just one example, but, you know, studio saw, okay, this, you know, this is an artier movie, you know, being put out by a little bit bigger of a, of a studio didn't make any money. Let's go back to some of these franchises. And I think that's something that, you know, a few years ago, it was more about the quality, like movies like Baywatch didn't, that's what, I, that's like one of the examples where a big tentpole movie like Baywatch didn't make any money because it was badly reviewed. So studios tried to put more quality into stuff and then that didn't really translate to dollars either. And so people started like Jurassic World and, you know, that type of thing. You put money back into these big franchises, made a bunch of money. And then this year you had like Godzilla, big, big franchise, but didn't make any money. X-Men, big franchise, didn't make any money. Men in Black, big franchise, didn't make any money. I think we're going to, I think it's just kind of one of those ebb and flow things where studios are going to try and follow a, follow a trend, but it's kind of hard to predict what that trend is going to be. I think it's a mix between, is this, it has to be a franchise, but also has to be made well. And I think that's the struggle that studios are kind of dealing with right now. Yeah, I think that you're touching on something that I've been thinking about all day today. And it's how 
How willing is the general public to just go to a movie because they recognize the name? And mm -hmm. I think that we're that I think I think the movie going public is smarter than that now. I think that mm -hmm. if you just fart out something that is recognizable, you're not going to make a hundred million dollars if it's not good because people talk to each other and there are reviews and Rotten Tomatoes is huge now and word of mouth is, is making such a big difference. It always has that, you know, if we all go to see uh, Godzilla week one and we're like, oh, you know, we went to Godzilla because it's Godzilla, but it sucked. You know, and then nobody else goes. So I think what you're seeing this year is these studios are being made to pay for not giving the the viewer the, I mean, the respect, I would say, to make a good fucking movie. You know, it's one thing to put out something that is recognizable, but you should also make it good or you're not going to make the money that you're going to make. Um, Marvel has been an excellent example of this. They have been, there have been some that seemed like they've just farted them out, but... Um, the ones that have been huge hits and made a billion dollars were well thought out and well made and were just good movies. And Aladdin um, made more money later on in its run than it did its opening weekend because people went and were like, oh my God, it's good. But people weren't just going to go mm -hmm. to see fucking Aladdin, you know? And and the same goes with like John Wick it had a big opening weekend, but it sustained for a couple weeks because people liked it. Um, you know, and some of these others... I think you can't get away with just putting out a recognizable movie anymore. The reboots and the sequels will get some people in automatically, the me's and you's of the world, but there are a lot of people who wait to hear if a movie's good before they go. And if, if, if they're just going to fucking sneeze off some crap movie that they threw together for a budget and thinking that they were going to make a quick buck, I, that's not happening this year. And I don't know how the box office compared to last year, but... It seems like the the movie going public is holding their films to a higher standard before they'll give their money over, and I think that that's good. And I hope that it means that we'll get better summer blockbusters because this year, even the ones that have stood out as good, you know, there have been some good ones. But on the whole, a lot of these really highly anticipated, you know, familiar IPs have disappointed because it seemed they seemed lazy. You know, Godzilla seems lazy because it's like, oh, we're content to just have Godzilla. And I don't think people go for that anymore. That's that's what I think is happening. And the box office has been pretty yeah. crappy these last few weeks. I think that's a big part of why. I mean, part of it too might also be you know this last this year and the year before might be an issue too with like Avengers. Studios are very afraid to put movies out around the time Avengers comes out. So uh, you know, like May was a pretty weak month. Uh, for at least some of the bigger ones, because uh, until really John Wick came out, because and that's a franchise that is established, so they they waited, you know, three weeks after Avengers came out to release their movie, and it made you know it was the first movie that beat Avengers. Whereas typically, without like that huge movie, they you would see a little bit more come out in May. But the last two years, because Avengers has come out, uh, we it, we've had to wait until July for studios to really start ramping up to put more more of their tentpole stuff out. You know, I think that's that's a smart move in a lot in a lot of ways, but it also does kind of hurt the box office too because Avengers is kind of cannibalizing everything. Mm -hmm. Uh I think also too though, and that that's kind of going off that point, I think a lot of in terms of like what you're seeing, whether a movie is crap or not, is where you're looking for the movies. 
Uh, like you said, Booksmart is an excellent movie, and it's made about $20 million total gross, which for the budget is really awesome. <laughs> you know, like that's they, – they made they made some good money off of that based off of a budget, which I can't imagine was more than maybe $5, 10000000 million. Same thing with like uh, – uh, well, Rocketman. Rocketman's a good example. Um, Rocketman was a very low budgeted movie, but got good, really, really good reviews. It has a certain audience, has made a shitload of money. It's made over a hundred million dollars. Um, so there's been certain things that you have to. I think you have to look in certain places to find the good movies this time of year because these smaller movies with low budgets are going to come out this time of year, and generally they're going to be they're, they release them this time of year because they're good. If they're these some of these smaller movies, Late Night's another example that just came out recently and it's not making a ton of money. But you have to look to find those movies. Um, there are some good indie movies. I see some of the best indie movies this time of year too because. Again, they're not afraid of this; these big movies coming out because that's not de- typically the audience that, that they're looking for. So I think it's all about where you look and where you go. There's been some really good VOD movies coming out this year, some good Netflix releases recently that kind of supplement the box office right now. And so I think that that's a big part of it, too, is like, yes, we want to see these really good blockbuster movies. We want to see... You know these these movies we can a bunch of people can go to a theater and, and have fun at and right now there's not a lot of those that have come out that have been really good but there is some good movies out there and I think there's some movies that people make their names off of because they are able to be profitable and and have enough people go see them uh, to warrant you know more more work so uh, I th- I do think if you want to see some quality movies you have to look for it you have to be willing to to take you know to go out of your comfort zone from seeing oh this movie is on me marketed all over Twitter and the TV and Facebook or whatever, you know, you see a, a movie like late night playing at your local theater that you haven't seen a ton of stuff for maybe a few previews here and there. Um, maybe I'll go take a chance on it because it, you know, it's different or it's a smaller movie or it's, you know, being reviewed well on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's, I think that is what consumers and moviegoers have to go do in order to find the quote unquote good movies this time of year. You're a lot better at that than I am, you know, finding the indie movies at the small theaters and stuff that nobody else knows about and finding the. And I know that, um, oh, uh, First Reformed was one last year that came out, I think in the spring or summer, and mm-hmm. nobody saw but you did and we're like, oh, this is fucking awesome. And then I got some love at the end of the year. So it's always good to see those indies, but you know, it kind of, it kind of is so, fr- it's, it makes it even maybe more frustrating that the big budget movies that come out stink and nobody knows about some of these little ones. So you're right. I think that someone who is wanting to find good movies around this time of year uh, is just going to have to, you know, look a little closer, you know, whether it be on Netflix or on demand or at their art house theater. But the the blockbusters have really been disappointing uh, the last six weeks or so. I'm hopeful for what's coming down the pipe uh, at the end of June and getting into July, but we'll see. But as 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 of yet, the, this um, this summer movie season has not been not been a great one, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think, and I think you know, if we were, to, I don't, I don't one hundred percent remember, but I think it got better, you know, last summer as we went on, um, and I think it will this year too. I know we have coming up um, in July. We have we have the new Spider Man. We have uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, we have you know coming up in September. We have it it chapter two. Um, there's, I mean, there's t- Toy Stories coming up next week. I, th- I think the mm-hmm. end of June is gonna be gonna be a lot better. I, I just, I, I think, like I said, I, th- I, I do think that the last couple of years in particular have had a, a bit to do with 
you know, Avengers. And I think some of the, you know, like this, these really, really big franchises kind of cannibalize a little bit. I'd also do think a lot of it, like you said, too, has to do with, uh, you know, some of the reviews and some of the ideas of studios having about, you know, sequels and reboots and franchises trying to make this money. So like Toy Story, that's a, you know, that's a cop, obviously a franchise and that's going to make a bunch of money. Just like last year, we had Incredibles this time of year that made a bunch of money. It, it, it's just hard because like with Disney, they don't often put out many stinkers. You know, they, they do put a lot of time and effort and work into their movies while also still being mainstream and making a bunch of money. But then you have other studios, Universal and Sony, where they're putting out, you know, uh, the, these franchises that that have names, but then they just want to put movies out there to make money because they're trying to compete with Disney. They're trying to compete with, with Marvel and, and Pixar and all that to, to get a share of that that box office money but you know when you're when you're rushing out these movies that aren't very good and and even even though they have a franchise tagged along with it it's it's hard and it it sucks for the consumer because they're spending money some of us are spending money on on uh this this garbage (laughs) so yeah yeah it is frustrating um and and we'll get we'll come back to this idea in a little bit when we get to reviews but let us know out there, what are some of the movies that you've enjoyed this summer? Are, are we overlooking some things? Uh, what are some of those hidden gems that, um, that you have found that have been enjoyable these last couple months? And what are you looking forward to for the rest of the summer? You know, can, this, can this year be salvaged? Uh, let us know on the tweets. And we, of course, are hopeful. There's no, there's no other way for us to be. Obviously, we hope that uh, the summer gets better. And um, we'll see. You'll hear it from us if... Uh, if it does or if it doesn't, cause we pretty much see and review everything. So, uh, let's, uh, let's spin it forward, hopefully out of the doldrums of the sadness of what has been the summer movie season so far and into what will hopefully be a more fun edition of making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote, all right. Seth has found a quote from a film. I need to figure out what film it was in and who said it. So this is another one where I'm going to redact a name just so it keeps it a little bit more difficult. Okay. Uh, so you don't get it right away. The name would give it away right away. So uh, the quote is, we'd like to get to the point where name redacted is everywhere, like oxygen or gravity or clinical depression. <laughs> so I know this one. And... This is pop star, never stop, never stopping. And it's uh, Maya Rudolph's character says it. Um, no, no, no. It's Sarah Silverman that says it. Yes. Yeah, What's her yeah. name? Um, his, she's the agent. Um, What's her name? Is it, uh, is it like Angie? No. I don't. What is it? Paula. Paula. Okay. Uh, pop star, by the way, I, without hesitation and without setup. I'm going to take you back in time. Where we're going, we don't need roads. If you haven't seen Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, go fucking watch that movie because it is hilarious and actually like uh-huh. really well done uh, for, mm-hmm. for a Lonely Island movie. It's a, it's a favorite of ours, and I know some of our listeners love it as well, so I was glad that that worked in. Uh, Popstar is a great film, and there, is, there are many a great quote from that film. It was a subject of this week's edition of Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! We're gonna get into reviews in just a second, but before we get into reviews, 
Holy crap, Seth. We got, uh, we got something special coming up. Break yourself, fool! It's not really breaking news. Uh, I just wanted to hit that. <laughs> we have another new segment that we're going to introduce. Uh, of course, earlier we introduced the entirely new podcast that is going to be called Previously on Big Brother. Uh, this is going to be a new segment as part of the, the SoCo show, as you already know it. And it's one that I'm really excited about because <laughs> we, we often, the two of us, we talk about our different tastes in movies and, and movies that, that I've seen that you haven't or vice versa. And we're always trying to convince each other to, uh, to watch films that, that we, that we missed back when we, uh, back when we could have watched them or when they were new. And we spent so much time watching new movies. We forget to go back and watch things that we didn't catch the first time around. So, uh, so that was the inspiration for this new segment. Uh, and, and it's going to be kind of a paired thing. We're both going to do for each other. So you, you, you do a better job of explaining it than I am. I can. So please expand upon our new segment, which is going to be called miss the boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. There, there are a handful of movies, or a lot of movies, especially older ones. But, and especially in my case, a lot of indie movies that Cody doesn't see, or a lot of some of these smaller movies Cody doesn't see. I haven't seen a lot of uh, maybe some certain blockbusters or horror movies or sci-fi movies. And so we, like Cody said, we we uh, talk to each other a lot about these movies and say you need to watch this, but we don't. And so uh, we, there's too much new stuff to consume. So we want to give ourselves an opportunity to go back and revisit some of the stuff, some of the stuff we've recommended. So uh, on on We Missed the Boat, what we're going to do, uh, we each have a list of – a running list of movies, but we're going to limit it to five at once. So we each have five movies that we have seen the other person hasn't. And out of that five movies, uh, every other week, one of us – or like it is every week, but we're going to switch off every other week. We're going to watch one of those five movies. The person can choose which one just to kind of make it a little bit easier in case – that week is, you know, maybe crunch time or not, not a whole lot of time to watch a movie. Maybe you only have an hour and a half or you have, you know, the three hours depending on the type of movie. But you, you get to choose which one out of the five you watch. Once you've watched one of those movies, a new movie is added to the list and we will alternate those movies uh, on the week. So uh, I'm going to start. We'll, we'll, we'll both have the running list up front. So, you know, we can really watch any time as long as we have a chance to watch it. Um, but I will I will watch the first movie for episode 100 next week. I will, I will re- talk about or review uh, one of the five movies on Cody's list. Episode 101, Cody will watch one of the movies on my list and vice versa, back and forth as we go through these list of movies. I am stoked because this is, as you said, uh, it's a chance for me to get you into some more horror stuff, some more sci-fi stuff, and, uh, and some, some classics that, that I know um, that you haven't seen. Uh, and, and of course, the indie scene is going to be big in your list, I'm sure. These are all something to be clear about because it's something we were clear about with each other. This isn't a fuck you. You have to watch this movie list. This is a, this is a, I think you will actually enjoy this movie. And now let's formally make each other sit down and try these movies that we think are our actual recommendations. So it's not like I'm going to be making Seth watch, you know, the strangers too. So uh, it's not anything like that. But that said, uh, as we were working through this list, these lists, uh, if you out there have heard of shows or or heard of movies, these are movies specifically, if you've heard of heard of us talk about movies that we haven't seen on the show that you think would be good for one list or the other, hit us up on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael or at Seth Oat. And uh, you can suggest films that should go on our lists. Uh, But to be clear, I keep the list of movies for Seth to watch. Seth keeps the list of movies for me to watch. So it's a little bit of a mandate, um, but we're going to work our way through 
That way we can eventually get to a point where we've seen every movie ever made. That's the idea here, right? <laughs> so so uh, uh, do you want to do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I, I've got I've got my list of five selected and Seth will have the next week uh, to watch one of the five movies for episode 100. Seth will give me five movies. I'll have two weeks to choose mine. And then again, we'll, we'll alternate. Do you want to go first with your list? Or do you want me to tell you mine? Let's uh, let's go back and forth with them. Just, you know, one one by one back and forth. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I'll um, go first then. I'll go first. Okay. So uh, one of my recommendations is one that I don't think you'll be surprised that I included. And by the way, we didn't run these lists by each other earlier. So it's possible that we um, have seen a movie and we didn't realize it. So we'll just replace it uh, if need be. Uh, my first one is one that I'm pretty sure you haven't seen, but it is essential horror movie viewing. Uh, and I think you will enjoy it because it's got some satire and some comedy elements. Um, and again, it's just a staple that you need to have seen if you're going to be a horror fan. I, I, Scream is the first one that I have. Have you seen Scream? Uh, it's one of those that I've watched like the bits and pieces on. I think on MTV it's been on before. But yeah, I've seen bits and pieces, but never in its entirety. So Scream is we'll, fucking... We'll, it's one of my favorites, we'll man. That. You got you to check it out. Well, I'll start you off with maybe one that is... Uh, it was an Oscar contender not last year but the year before one i really liked it was my favorite oscar movie that year uh so a little bit more of a of a lighter affair but very well acted uh call me by your name Ooh, yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you have this because this is one i've been meaning to watch and it just keeps not making its way up my list i tried to get really diverse with my list i could have given you five horror movies but i thought i'd give you the choice uh between a few others so this is this is sort of a a longer sort of prestige historical drama you again one you may have seen but i've not heard you talk about it uh, I have Zodiac on the list. Have you seen Zodiac? I've, I again seen bits and pieces, but yeah. never watched it all. Oh, dude, you're gonna fuck! I'm I, I'm psyched for you to see Zodiac. It's just incredibly well made and acted and is written. That, is that Jake Gyllenhaal? Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. Yeah, it's. Um, Throw down. Did you see Nightcrawler? No. Okay, it's got some. Well, that'll be one, that'll be on my list on a future date because that's great, Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, that's on Netflix, so that's a free one. If. Uh... Oh, okay. Well, if you end up, if you do watch Zodiac, I'll replace it with Nightcrawler on the list. Uh, both are just a, Jake Gyllenhaal plays a really good obsessed character. And in Zodiac, he's obsessed with catching the Zodiac killer. It spans a huge swath of time. It's got an incredible cast, super well written. This is like a prestige, like Oscar one that, that would fit right up your alley if it came out today. So this is one I know you're going to like. Okay. One, uh, we mentioned the sequel earlier, um, but it's a, 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 I know you'll love this one just based off the action alone, but it has, it's really, uh, really well done, really smart uh, in terms of a, a, a war, not war, but a drug uh, movie, a cartel movie, Sicario, the first one. Yeah, this is one. Yeah, this is another one that's been on my list for a while and I'm excited to have a reason to fucking watch it now. Third one, um, and these are really in no particular order, but the third that I have on this list, this is one that it, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't even heard of. Uh, it's and I've alluded to it in the past, but it's called Equilibrium. And I've heard of it. If you enjoy, I think I, what I'm trying to tickle here is your John Wick bone. Um, it's it's not nearly as like as graphically violent, but a lot of people get fucking killed in this. Um, it is gun it is gun foo before gun foo was a thing, and it stars Christian Bale in kind of an interesting role. It's got some sci-fi elements to it that I'm, I'm hoping you enjoy, but I think you'll enjoy the combat. And this one's a, a little bit more of a risk. I, I'm, I, I'm not certain you'll like it, but I, I'm hopeful that you will. Um, and it's, I, I really enjoyed it when I watched it and it was a surprise to me years ago when I, when I did. So equilibrium is, is on the list. 
The third one here for me is one that I knew that that I knew you'd love when I saw it last year for the Oscar stuff. Um, I just know you never got around to seeing it. I love this movie for the music, the visuals, and of course the acting. Um, from some, you always said Regina Hall, but it's Regina King. Uh, if Beale, if Beale Street can talk, oh, yes. could talk. Yes, I do. Uh, I'm highly anticipating seeing this one. It's funny because th- I mean that movie is black homework. And uh, it's funny to me that you're having to assign me my black homework, but I, I will gladly take the assignment from you <laughs> and watch Beale Street. So another another uh, film world you don't typically go to is animated. So I wanted to include an animated movie on here. Uh, one that I know you didn't see, but I loved so much when I saw it is Inside Out. Inside Out. Yep. <laughs> I knew. I, <laughs> I'm glad you knew. This is just one that it, it's so... Uh, I, I really, I really think you're gonna dig. It, it, it gets really into some emotional stuff. It's deep. It's got some comedy in it. Uh, the cast is very funny, uh, and I'm, I'm hopeful. If you don't enjoy Inside Out, you, you might not have a soul. Uh, I, I, I think you're gonna enjoy it, and hopefully, it'll, it'll turn you on to a little bit more of the animation stuff. Well, I, I am. I mean, I will be seeing uh, an animated movie this week, so maybe, I'll, maybe that's what I'll go with. We'll see. Um, but I'll be in an animated mood anyway. Speaking of animated movies, and speaking of a movie coming out this week, I don't need any explanation. Oh, but yeah. I, I want you to go. put your I want I want you to put yourself in 2010 Cody's shoes and see this movie, and then go see the fourth one, and that's Toy Story three. Yeah, put that on your list. I that's the one I would choose for you to watch this week, and then get, go see Toy Story four. But like I said. Put yourself in 2010 Cody's shoes, because if you would have saw this in high school, you would have fucking bawled your eyes out. And I know. Oh that. yeah, I, I I firmly believe that, and I probably still will. Uh, nothing gets me more. I'm I'm learning that something that absolutely crushes me every time I see it is end of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I like four of my top ten favorite movies are about that time period, and so yeah, I I knew I wasn't gonna get away too much longer without having completed the Toy Story series, so I may have to watch three so I can catch four in theaters. So. I guess I won't fight it since it's on the list. <laughs> my fifth one is one you you might have seen, but my thinking here is that I, I really want to get you into more Spike Lee. And uh, and one of the most accessible Spike Lee films is Inside Man. Did you ever get a chance to see Inside Man? Yes, I did, did see that see with it. you. We watched, we watched it on Netflix. Okay, good. So I'm glad you've seen Inside Man. I'm going to check that off the list. I'm going to pick another one, but before I do, you you go ahead. i got to peruse my list. All right, so this one I've talked about a lot, actually. It's one of my favorites. It, it was my first foyer into uh, Wes Anderson, and uh, I think this, this is the perfect uh, introduction into Wes Anderson, and that's Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's, God, it, it's such a just a charming little movie with, little, with uh, Bill Murray popping in. Um, it's, it's one of my favorite, like, I, I always think back on that movie and I absolutely love that movie. So, uh, Moonrise Kingdom, that's, that's going to be the last of the five for you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I can get down with that and I've been wanting to get into him. So I'm going to go toward, I know you're a fan of Aaron Sorkin. Uh, we talked recently about Molly's game, something I just recently watched, rewatched that we enjoyed, uh, social network. Obviously, a big uh, Aaron Sorkin movie. Did you ever see Steve Jobs? I did not. Okay, I'm gonna put that as as the fifth new movie on the list. I just watched this like three days ago. Uh, it's on <laughs> Showtime right now, so you can watch it via the YouTube app. Um, nice. Steve Jobs. It's got all that Sorkin dialogue you love. Um, is it Fazbender? Yes. Or am I getting that wrong? F- yeah, Fazbender's in the lead. Uh, Seth Rogen is doing Wozniak and does a really good job. The structure of this movie is really cool. It kind of 
it kind of weaves between three different time periods in a way that's cool. Uh, super heavy dialogue driven. Uh, and I think, as I know you did enjoy um, Social Network, I think this is a good, this is more good Sorkin. And if you do watch and enjoy Steve Jobs, there's a bunch of Sorkin coming up behind it on the list. Uh, I want to get you worked <laughs> up to eventually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, my goal is to get you into A Few Good Men and loving that movie as much as I do. But Gross. I want to ease you into uh, into Sorkin uh, with uh, with some some Steve Jobs before I do that. So that's so my list for you is Scream, Zodiac, Equilibrium, Steve Jobs, and Inside Out. I like it. It's a good list. I'm hopeful. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna like that stuff. And it's cool because, like I said, I can have a I can have an agenda, um, and depending on which which movies you like and don't, uh, can adjust going forward and. Make you as big of a Sorkin fan as I am. Make you as big of a horror and sci-fi fan as I am, too. Equilibrium <laughs> is probably the one on the list where I'm like, you might not like Equilibrium, but it'll, it'll inform uh, future uh, future options. And if you love Equilibrium, it's a pretty good follow. It's a pretty good lead into The Matrix. So uh, there, there's a sneak peek <laughs> to what might come down the pipe afterwards. But I'm also, your list is, I think it's more common, and I think people will find this as we continue this game, uh, it's more common that you saw something that was popular and well-liked recently that I missed. Uh-huh. Um, more of mine for you are going to come from, you know, further back into the past and and, mm-hmm. and from different genres. So I'm excited to catch up on some newer releases that people really enjoyed. And I'm excited to help you expand out um, your, uh, your, uh, your catalog. So I'm excited about this. I think this is going to be a blast. Oh, I'm on a boat and... You're gonna need a bigger boat. Somewhere in there, a sounder went off. Uh, we didn't have the sounder when when we started this, so <laughs> it's a little awkward right now. But probably for you listening, I didn't need to tell you that. So could <laughs> could have hidden behind the magic curtain that is audio editing, but chose not to because we have integrity on this show and we choose not to fool you with fancy editing tricks. That said, uh, let's jump forward. We missed the boat is the name of that new segment. And we are going to bring it back next week. Seth is going to be reviewing one of the five movies I've assigned to him. And uh, we're excited to get that rolling. I got two weeks to watch something off of his. So we'll come back to that. But for now, as we roll toward the end of the show, we got to review some shit that just came out. Uh, Let's get into reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. (laughs) I hated it. I am going to, I'm just going to jump in because I, typically we go back and forth with the movies we saw, I want to get the stuff I saw just out of the way. So (laughs) I'm going to start (laughs) with the dead. Don't die, which is the Jim Jarmusch movie. It's got Adam driver. It's got Bill Murray. It's got Chloe 70. It's got (laughs) fucking, uh, I I can't even, there's a long list. It's got Danny Glover is in there somewhere. Uh, Steve Buscemi is in there somewhere. There's a whole shitload of stars and they all suck. Um, this movie, <laughs> it was so frustrating and I didn't know this going in, but Jim Jarmusch is apparently very popular for his deadpan, uh, qualities in films. And I didn't know this going in. This entire movie is so deadpan that I was bored. Like there's some pretty decent gore in here and people get eaten and shit. And I was bored almost this entire movie. And it seemed almost like the characters were too. And I get why that might be funny to some people. But like, there's a shot in here that's in the trailer where they're looking at some dead bodies and, um, and Bill Murray is just like, what do you think happened? And then um, Adam Driver <laughs> just goes, I'm thinking zombies. Exactly like that. 
and no, <laughs> nobody ever screams or runs. They're all just like, they seem bored. And, and I understand why the deadpan of deadpanness of it would be exciting to some people. But to me, again, boring is the way that I would just, I'm going to, I'm going to put this as, but I'm not even going to say fun. Some people, <laughs> some people might like this more than I did. I really did not enjoy much. There are one or two jokes in here that but. because of the dead tan, deadpan delivery were funny. There's also kind of a running joke in this where Adam driver's character seems to know what's happening and what's going to happen. And there's like this really weird fourth wall breaky type thing. That's not quite, it's not like Deadpool fourth wall breaking, but it's definitely some fourth wall breaking. And it's this weird in joke that they keep coming back to that is sometimes funny, but also just very strange. And it doesn't seem to me to serve the movie. It's just some things happen and then the movie ends. There's not really, there's no point to it. Uh, and it, I was bored. And that's that's why I think The Dead Don't Die is but. Uh, some people are going to love this movie. I know it. I am not one of them. I'm not recommending it, Seth, to you. Um, and I, I don't know that our listeners, if they if they fall in line with what we like, I don't think our listeners are going to like this either. So if someone out there likes it, please fucking let me know why on the tweets at underscore Cody Michael. But this is not one I'm recommending. Save your money on The Dead Don't Die and skip it. I, I had really high hopes for that one, and it ended up being a disappointment. But That's too um, bad. Speaking of, let's go to one that we both saw. Uh, Men in Black International. And we were stoked for this. We like Men in Black from when we were kids. We like the casting of Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Liam Neeson is in this cast. Emma Thompson, there's a shitload of stars in this. Kamel Nanjiani is uh, is added to this. Seth, what did you think of, of Men in Black? But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was very excited for this movie. I'm a huge Men in Black fan, and I give... I wouldn't say huge, but I'm 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 a big Men in Black fan. It's it's one of those like I think I give it more leeway because it's kind of one of it's one of those movies or one of those franchises that I, I watched with like my parents as a kid, and so I have some memories of that. And like Men in Black Two is not a good movie, but I still love it because I have memories of watching it with my parents and things like that. So I've given a lot more room and leeway with this franchise, but Men in Black International is not good. Um, it is the most like generic and boring movie like they they basically took the shell of man men in black and decided like all right let's just throw as many dumb jokes as we can in here let's take these two actors who have been in a movie together and have good chemistry in that movie and take those characters that they played remove their superpowers and uh tone them take them from an 11 down to about a three and put them in this movie. Is charisma uh, a, a superpower? Because they stripped the charisma off both these folks. <laughs> they, they did. They, exactly. They they took everything about them from those movies and just turned it down to a three. And added aliens and not the cool ones from the Marvel movies. And they threw in uh, basically the uh, like a, a, a talking booger in Camille <laughs> Nanjiani's character. And, and instead of having a cool pug... And, and uh, threw in some mediocre CGI and said, here's Men in Black, pay us money. And then people didn't pay them money. So it, it, it was just a waste of time. It could have been so fucking good. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth are normally really great. And they were fine in this, but they just weren't they, – they, you could tell they were there just for a payday. Like they, they didn't care about what they were doing really. 
the the story was so boring. I knew exactly what was going to happen from the second it started, um, and the jokes. Maybe fifteen percent of them landed. It ugh, bad. Just butt. Just straight butt. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie was fucked since Jump Street. Like it was not written well. Uh, the idea was poorly conceived. They cast really well, but then they wasted that casting. Um, and it doesn't do anything new. And this is exactly what we were talking about before with just because I put men in black on it and I, and I get a couple of fancy stars that'll get some people to the theater, but it is getting very bad reviews and very low box office results. And I think it deserves that because it's lazy. And at the end of the day with dead, don't die. And with men in black, I, I left that film and I was like, okay, what happened in that movie? And really nothing, really not fucking anything happens in either of those movies. And there's not really any character arcs. Like, there are events that take place, but there's not any character arc. There's not... They seem, to, they seem to not know whether or not Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth are interested in each other in this. They, they, like, they, they do a little bit, and then they don't. And, they do, and not, in, not in, like, a Ross Rachel way. Like, it seems like the movie doesn't know whether or not they want to be into each other. And it's very strange. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani just doesn't add anything for me. He's kind of that cutesy, oh... Look at that. That's wild character. And that was dumb to me. There's not really a villain in here that makes any sense. It just, this was not good. And um, I agree with everything you said. It, it seems like a waste. And it could have been really good. You know, they could have done a lot of reinventing and, and done some new stuff with the characters. There's also, and they did this on X-Men last week too, made like the really dumb, obvious joke about there being women in the Men in Black. And I was like, okay, we fucking get it. And actually, I kind of mm-hmm. laughed the way they handled that. The way they conclude that, I think Emma Emma, Tom, Emma Thompson has a pretty mm-hmm. a pretty funny and witty way of, of kind of um, putting the kibosh on that conversation. But yeah, it stinks. It didn't do anything for me. I will immediately forget everything about it and probably never mm-hmm. think about it again. Uh, and I doubt they get a sequel because it's not making any money. And I don't think they should because they phoned this in and it was lazy and they're paying for it now. So hopefully... Those were, the, those were the big releases this week, the theatrical ones that I fucking went to. Hopefully you found some shit out there uh, in, the, in the outer reaches of the film universe that was better than, than those two things. Yeah, I'll start with the thing that I'm most surprised about is that I liked an Adam Sandler movie more than I liked Men in Black. Oh, and, two for his last two now. <laughs> well, the 100% Fresh wasn't a movie. That was a special. And so, he, to be fair, I mean, he is more, he's definitely in my good graces again, and... You know, it does seem like he's a little bit more energized when it comes to, to comedy and things. I think maybe this was filmed before, but uh, before the, the special and everything came out. But still, uh, this is murder mystery. You've probably seen it. It's being promoted everywhere um, on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. It was a Netflix release for Adam Sandler because all of his movies uh, for the last decade have come out on Netflix. But uh, this one uh, is what the title suggests. It's a murder mystery. Uh, uh, Adam Sandler, uh, he's Nick Spitz. <laughs> And uh, Jennifer Aniston <laughs> plays his wife, Audrey Spitz. Uh, Spitz, Lou Holtz's favorite, <laughs> favorite movie. <laughs> and so uh, uh, Nick Spitz is a – he's a, uh, a sergeant uh, in, in Brooklyn. He is kind of – he's failed at becoming a detective. And he's kind of – he's in a, in a rough patch with his, his wife, Jennifer Aniston. She's a hairdresser. And they – um, it's their anniversary, been together 15 years, and he quote-unquote surprises her with a trip overseas uh, to Europe, 
and uh, while on the plane over there, she runs into uh, Jennifer Aniston while uh, Adam Sandler sleeping, runs into like this really rich, like uh, suave uh, guy who's uh, in, in first class. And that's really where like the whole murder mystery things, their thing starts. They arrive in Europe and uh, there is a guy who is killed. Uh, lights go out, guys killed. And now they're trying to figure out who killed him. At the same time, Nick and Audrey Spitz are being uh, accused of it. And so there's like a fun little murder murder mystery going on. More people die and, you know, you don't know who did it. And they, you know, reveal it over time. Of course, uh, Adam Sandler's character is kind of like a... No, he's not a very good, you know, uh, detective, but he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's clearly got some skills and he's, he's, you know, uh, unraveling things as, as it goes on. And, uh, you know, he gets better as the movie goes on and things like that. So it's extremely predictable. Uh, the murder mystery actually is done pretty well, but in terms of like the character choices and, and development and things like that, the, a lot of the comedy, very predictable. Um, Adam Sandler does play kind of like he, the thing that I liked, he didn't play a completely stupid character. Like there, he does some dumb things, but he wasn't like Jack and Jill dumb. Mm. Um, he, he was kind of like a, maybe like a mix of if happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were a character like put together and he was a detective type thing, but a little bit older. Like he's just like, he's smart, but dumb. He's, uh, He's like kind of aggressive but harmless. Like he's just kind of a, a interesting little mix. Jennifer Aniston plays like the character that she always plays, very like uh, kind of judgmental, but also uh, I don't even know caring too. She's judgmental but caring, and I don't know. She basically Jennifer Aniston's played the same character that she always plays. Uh, there's some funny moments in it, uh, some fun supporting characters. Definitely a bunch of like actors and and things like that that you know and seen before, but might not necessarily know the name of the actor. Uh, but they all play a really good role. No Rob Schneider in this one. I was really Whoa. surprised. I bet he's yeah. in a mask in the back, and you just didn't notice. <laughs> Pro- probably. But yeah, there's some funny jokes. Not everything lands, but uh, some of it does. It. The thing that I can say is it actually looks and feels like a movie, which isn't really like a lot of his recent movies. Like this is actually this is one I could have seen be in the theaters. And uh, I wouldn't have been mad that I spent money to go see it. So definitely this one is is uh, firmly supplanted in the fun category. It's definitely worth just like a, you know, if it's Saturday afternoon watch if you're bored or whatever. It's definitely not a waste of time. So uh, Murder Mystery, I'd say check it out if you have a chance. Shoot. That makes me excited. I don't have to check that. If, if I had to have a couple of drinks on Friday night and throw that on, you yeah. think I'm going to enjoy myself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it'd probably be even more enjoyed if you had a... Uh, had some uh, chemical uh, enhancements for that one. So, <laughs> All right, noted. It's going in the queue. I like it. What else you got? It's fun time. Another Netflix release uh, that is definitely more of a uh, got to pay attention to watch this one is I Am Mother, uh, which is a post-apocalyptic movie. Uh, Hilary Swank is in it for a good majority. She's not really the star. I don't know the star very well. Um, she is, her name is Clara Rugard. She was in... Teen Spirit, which is one of my favorites of the year, but kind of a smaller role, lesser known actress. But this is her definitely her biggest and most uh, most screen time she's gotten in a project. But basically, what this is, the humans have been eradicated from Earth. They they reveal why as the movie goes on. But uh, there is a there's a center like a like a uh, site. I don't know. Okay like a lab type thing that's uh, definitely locked down and uh, very 
sanitized and closed off where they're housing like 68,000 human embryos. And there's a robot named Mother who is in charge of now taking care of that place and then also trying to restart the human population from those embryos. And so we see at the beginning of the movie, an embryo is is created and born, or, you know, birth basically put into like a birthing pod, uh, grows up to be daughter, who is Claire Rugard's character as the name of her character. And she, uh, uh, she was basically the first of the new human population. And you kind of, as the movie goes on, you find out, you know, what happened to the humans and there's a little bit of deception also too. uh daughter hears a knock on the door uh hillary swank's out there just being hillary swank you know oh, and so hillary swank knocks on the door comes in and now uh daughter is kind of uh, in a weird place because she's been told this entire time there's no other humans left she's the only one and uh the, the outside is there you know the uh, Humans cannot live out there. It's toxic, and well, you'll die by going out there. So, this robot mother is uh, she doesn't know whether to believe this robot mother or believe Hillary, Hillary Swank, who's telling her, "No, there's stuff out there. You know that you you can live out there. There's been people out there. Blah blah blah." And so it's kind of it's a definitely a psychological, uh, almost thriller movie where you're trying to figure out who, what's going on, um, you know, who to believe, and and uh, you know, basically trying to put the pieces of this puzzle together on what exactly has has happened and and you know where to where to go moving forward uh this movie does have a ton of twists and turns in it uh, based off the information being revealed uh the mother character while at up front is is definitely very uh, nice and loving you as the movie goes on you kind of see the agenda start to come out and you again still don't 100% know what who to trust in this because both sides are giving positives and negatives. So that's kind of a fun struggle. Again, it is a thinker too. It's it's one you have to pay attention to because there's stuff you can miss. Uh, I I also liked the world that they built in it. I almost would like to spend more time in it because it reminded me a lot of Horizon, the the video game Horizon mm. uh, Zero Dawn, where the, you know, again, the, the human population has been eradicated and there is some technology going on that either could may have hurt or helped that. And also uh, the people rely on that technology now in this world and use it. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting. It's very interesting. I, I like that. It, and also because like the there's a lot of these bunkers and horizon there's these same bunkers that's a better term not a lab but a bunker um, a bunker in, in, in this as well and a lot of the similar technology i thought it's kind of cool then i don't know if maybe there was some person who wrote this movie may have had a connection to it based off that game i could totally see it because there's very a lot of similarity similarities in that way but it's definitely kind of one of those mind mind twisty movies as you go on and, and really it's conflicting to, to watch. So really well done though. Performances all around are really good. I mean, there's really only two performances, uh, this, uh, Clara Rugard and Hilary Swank. And so, uh, they do a really, really good job of portraying these emotions and, and really getting you to, to try and believe one side or the other. And, and the Clara Rugard really though is, is great at, um, showing her conflict on her face. Whereas, whereas Hillary, Hillary Swank is like, just really freaked out at the whole situation. Um, it's really good. I liked it quite a bit. Um, maybe not in my top, you know, 10 or so for the year, but it's definitely worth a watch. I think you'll like it particularly. Um, it's, I, I would say for me, because I'm just not quite as much into the, some of the sci-fi, it wasn't quite an excellent for me, but I'd put it definitely firmly 
I'd put it in towards the the bottom half of excellent, definitely firmly in the fun. It's 100% worth a watch. Well, you have sold me on this. I'm going to watch this fucking immediately. Um, <laughs> also, our good buddy on the YouTubes, at Jared Buckendall, also gave this a positive review. Uh, so that's a nice surprise, you know, one that wasn't on a lot of people's radars and is getting reviewed well. I'm definitely, this is everything you said about this has me so excited to watch this movie. I like intrigue. I like robots. I like uh, post-apocalypse. I like sci-fi. I like Hillary Swank. Um, <laughs> all these, <laughs> all these things. I, I want to see this ASAP. Um, so, so far, so good. Uh, Murder Mystery and I Am Mother, both good ones. Uh, I have to ask, have you ever seen Ex Machina? No, that's one I've seen parts of. I think I've, I think I sat and watched a little bit of, with you watching it once. You might but. have. That's uh, that one's going on the list, because um, that's another good robot movie. Um, okay. Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Uh, I am Mother. It gets a it gets a positive review. Mother. That is echoed, of course, by at Jared Buckendall. I'm gonna be watching this pretty fucking soon here, and I'll let you know what my thoughts all later on. But Seth, you got one more film for us. I do. And this one is definitely much more in my wheelhouse. Uh, I did go to the local art house uh, cinema uh, to see this one. Uh, It is called The Souvenir, which is definitely a British film. Um, And actually, one thing a little bit before, something I've noticed before but really started paying attention to recently is a lot of overseas, because this was made in uh, in England, but uh, a lot of overseas Ireland, England, that type of thing. Well, the the lottery over there funds movies to be made, and this is one of those that did that. I think it's kind of a cool concept. I I wish we could do that over here, but you know, profits. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, kind of cool. But as a, a BBC a British Lotto, and then A twenty four picked it up for America release. So an A twenty four movie um, called The Souvenir. It stars um, Tilda Swinton is really the only known actress but her daughter who is making really her kind of presence known with this movie um her name is uh honor swinton Byrne, and uh she's the star of this movie uh she is a film student in uh i don't know if they give the exact location but it's definitely in england and uh she uh, I think she just, I think she's like 24 or 25. It takes place in the 80s, late 80s, and she seems like she's been pretty sheltered for most of her life. She's had a really good relationship with her with her parents. Um, till, again, Tilda Swinton plays her mother in this movie, and she's kind of doing a, a, a balance of, she. I think she's like a landlord for like an apartment building, but she's also she's working on film. She's really passionate about film, and she wants to get into film school and make that into her, her career in life. And while kind of starting that journey to help her get into that journey, she meets a, a guy. Uh, his name is Anthony, not Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, Anthony, <laughs> Anthony. And he, uh, he kind of slowly reveals that he is not a, uh, not necessarily the best dude. He is, uh, an, a uh, drug addict and, uh, can be a manipulator and things like that. And so she is now kind of entering this world where she's, seems like she's been sheltered where she she really falls for this guy and you know it's a, it's a strong passion but she also is seeing she's very naive to that world of what he's in which is you know like the the drugs and the deception and the the scheming that he kind of does whether it be with his drugs or with his you know his his job and things like that too and she's opening herself and broadening her broadening broadening her horizons and things like that and and kind of a theme of this movie as well is that 
because it's a you know movie about a film student, a lot of talk about art and a lot of talk about where you get that the the ideas for art from and where you get the passion for art from and where you, where good art comes from. And so part of it too, and because there's a lot of different themes to pull from this. I mean, just the ba- the basic thing is like why people fall for people like that and and why they keep coming back to it. But also an overarching theme is where the um, inspiration for art comes and can you have it if it's, if there's really nothing you can draw from. And so she, part of it too is, you know, does she keep going back to that because of, because she needs that, that inspiration for the art. So it's a, it's a very, there's a lot of, I mean, this, this is, this is uh, about the director, Joanna, Joanna Hogg is her name. She, it's kind of based off of her life as well. And so it's definitely one of those things where it's like, I don't, I don't want to say pretentious, but it kind of is in a way just because it's very much for someone who, this movie is for someone who knows a little bit more about movies and film than just kind of your basic, you know, your basic view of it. Like, again, just going to a blockbuster versus compared to going to an indie film. Mm-hmm. This is very much an indie film. This is very much the... Um, you have to kind of at least have more of a, a little bit more of a knowledge than just the basic entry level movies in order to really understand and kind of appreciate it. Because that is something a lot of people do talk about just in general with movies and writing and things like that is you have to have an inspiration or you have to write what you know. And this movie does have a lot of that, that symbolism in there too. Uh, it's, I don't know, the, the, the performances in this movie are incredible. Honor Swinton, Honor Burn Swinton, is, she's excellent. I mean, I I do have a little, we talked about it a little bit before I saw this movie. I, I do have a little bit of issue getting into, I have trouble getting into some more British stuff. And a lot of it too is because a lot of British stuff is very um, dry and very, a lot of, it's, a lot of times it's like, it takes place in olden times, like 1600s, 1700s, things like that. This one, again, being the 80s, I was able to get in right away. But really, the reason I was in right away is because of her character. I, I was bought into her character right away. She's very relatable, very personable, um, but also like one of those things where you're just like, stop making dumb decisions, <laughs> you know? Like, um, it, it, I, I cared about what she did immediately, and it was, it was, it's one of those where it's, it is a struggle to kind of get through because you know, you do care about her, but you're also just like, again, frustrated with her. And as the movie unfolds, you maybe start to feel more bad for her and then also feel better for her and then maybe feel bad for her again. And it's just kind of a, it's a roller coaster. One thing I, I read, uh, read a few things about this movie, uh, especially with the director and she, this movie really isn't super linear because it does, it, it, it does kind of jump, uh, not back and forth, but just kind of jump place to place. And the director, and, and writer of this made that a, uh, on did that on purpose because it's almost like a collection of memories instead of a, an actual like full-on feature film from start to finish hmm. so it does play that way where it's it's pretty much like a you, you get you get a, a, a cluster of scenes a cut we go to another spot and it's not like a huge jump in time but you know it's not like an easy transition it's a cut new memory cut new memory and I did like that a lot because it did make me feel again more with that character, but I can't, there, there's not, uh, this, this is a movie that's, that has stuck with me since I saw it, uh, last, this past, uh, this past Friday. I thought about it a lot. It's a movie that's, that has quickly, uh, moved up on my list, uh, for the year. And, uh, it's again, I, this one, I cannot recommend to everyone because it is, 
you have to have a certain, you have to be in a certain mood for it. You have to have a certain taste for it. You have to, like, I wouldn't put this on this list for you to see. Like, if you were to watch it, you might like it. You might not. I can't 100% say. So it's not one of those, be, I, I have to say, you do, you have to go see it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, maybe, like, the Mustang that I saw earlier this year. That's one I'd say you have to see. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it. There's the, uh, there was a lot for me to, to really grab onto. And I was a little trepidatious going in, but I, I did really, really enjoy this. So for me, it's an excellent, uh, I, I can't say enough good things about it, but again, I can't say everyone go see it. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's a, it's a good meaty film though. Something sink your teeth. Oh into. yeah. Yeah. It's a good two hour. It's about two hours, I think. And also they're doing, um, I, which was really surprising to me. I don't think I've ever gone to an independent movie and know and known this after, but, uh, they're doing a sequel or a part two of it, uh, because it is again about the director's life. And she, when she was starting to write this, she realized, oh, this is actually probably, there's so much in here for me to tell. I think this will be better suited for two movies. Also, Robert Pattinson was apparently supposed to be in the sequel until he signed on to do Tenet, the Christopher Nolan movie. So uh, it's getting, you know, uh, some decent actors in it. And the more and more attention it gets, Martin Scorsese is a producer on it because he saw the director's first movie and really, really loved it. So he got in on board on this one and the second one. Um, so it has a lot of pedigree to it. And, and again, it is an excellent movie, but not 100% for everyone. Hmm. I'm going to have to keep my eye out for this one. It's it's not playing in my theater, I checked, but uh, to keep my eye on it in case it comes through. Otherwise, I'll have to wait for VOD. But Souvenir, the Souvenir, something to keep an eye out for, for the, um, oh, what would you say, the the fans more of the, the, the more prestige film type genre? Yeah, probably. I mean... Especially if you like British movies, you will like it. Um, but I do think this is kind of a, a good mix of a, a British movie and an independent movie, and um, kind of. I think that's why A twenty four did pick it up, is because it it does have. It's a it's a British movie with a little bit more of a maybe an American feel to it as well. I like it. I do love the Brits, so I'm gonna make my way over to that one. I think um, I'm gonna stop <laughs> that immediately because I didn't feel good. Yeah, at all. you should. That was awful. <laughs> Let's run quickly away. Uh, we had five reviews. Uh, I guess I just I just have to go see the crap, and then you get to see the good stuff. I guess is how this is working <laughs> out. So uh, that's it for this week's reviews, uh, which will take us almost to the end of the show. But before we go, we've got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. So I will start by following up on our conversation last week about when they see us and. I, I did finally finish the, the fourth episode, which, oh my God, man, is so fucking great. Um, it's, it's long enough to almost be a feature film. And if it were a feature film, it would be one of my favorite movies that I've seen this year. Uh, just episode four. And um, uh, yeah. the, the thing I would add, again, we talked a lot about how great uh, When They See Us is. Everyone should see When They See Us. Once you've watched it, though, my one more thing is When They See Us Now which is the Oprah Winfrey uh, sort of follow-up interview that she did with the cast members, and then also with the Exonerated Five, which is the best part. of it. Like, Talking to the cast is cool and everything, and talking to Ava Duver- uh, DuVernay is great, but they had the actual Exonerated Five in there sharing some of their stories and sharing their thoughts on the film, and it is so awesome. Like We talked about how great it is that they, they humanize and they tell the actual life stories of these guys in the film, but nothing obviously humanizes them more than like, there's the fucking guys sitting up there and they mm-hmm. talk and they're really real. 
uh, about, you know, what's gone on in their lives since then. And it's so great. It's an hour long. Uh, and I would highly encourage anyone who has seen when they see us, you have not finished it until you've watched when they see us now it's on Netflix. You do have to search for, um, if you search for Oprah, cause it's the way it's titles is Oprah presents when they see us now. So you, it, it, it's not going to be right in there next to when they see us now. So, or when they see us, uh, so you're gonna have to go looking for it on Netflix if it's not in your ad banner. Um, but it is, it is definitely a worthwhile addition to the series. And I would highly recommend folks who have seen the series, go watch it. No, I do need to check the, when they see us now out, I, I saw some tweets about it, but I didn't know what, what it was on, but now that I know it's on Netflix, I'll have to check mm-hmm. that out. I'll probably watch it tomorrow. All right. I just sent you, <laughs> I just sent you a text, um, for what my, uh, one more thing is. It's a YouTube video. You'll have to pull that up. The, the world right now, and rightfully so, is infatuated with uh, one megastar, uh, and that's Keanu Reeves. Uh, John Wick recently came out. We talked about all the success, how awesome a movie that was. Um, he's going to be in Cyberpunk, the new video game, Cyberpunk 2077. He was just in Always Be My Maybe in, in a scene stealer. And, uh, you know, people talk about him being a great guy. He's always posed with people without touching them since way back, even before the Me Too stuff. Um, there's not a bad word that can be said, um, but Keanu Reeves has uh, definitely taken in the past some very interesting roles, one of which is a, a commercial uh, back in the 80s for uh, a, a staple of America, and that's Coca-Cola. Let, let's just say Keanu maybe didn't have the best writing for this movie, or for this commercial. So uh, let, let's take a quick listen to Keanu Reeves' uh, Coke commercial from the 80s. Oh my god, I'm so excited for this. Here we go. You're reaching for the finish line. You dig down deep, decide to find. You really gotta want it. Oh, the strength that you need, the will to succeed. This is it. It's for him and for you. For you. Hey, I'm proud of you. Really proud. A Coke. The finish taste. Who's your coach? My dad. He didn't say anything. A coke. Oh Oh my god, that is that is. Folks are gonna have to click the link in the description box because that that's funny. Even just with the audio, but you you see the video. That shit is because it's just like him pedaling and being sweaty for most of it, and then he. Coke. <laughs> Some, like if somebody if somebody handed you a banana after you were because he's riding a bike, he's in a bike race. Um, yeah. If you were running a race and someone handed you a banana, you wouldn't go Ugh, banana. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your coach? My dad. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's I love that so much. He just like it's like he was like surprised about it in the most Keanu way ever. <laughs> You're just like a oh, coke. I almost forgot. I was paying so much attention to Keanu Reeves, I didn't notice the fucking. Listen to this music. Oh, isn't it great? That's pretty fucking great, dude. This is. Yeah. (laughs) What a find. (laughs) That is. um, Coke. Coke. My dad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my dad's a coke <laughs> oh god 
That was that was worth the wait. If you listen to this entire this entire podcast just to get to that, I would say it's worth it. Go check the link in the description box for the video. Uh, we got Keanu Reeves drinking his dad's Coke, and when they see us now, Ew. this weekend one more. Don't be gross. <laughs> but I'm down to one more, one more thing. <laughs> oh, that is going to bring us to the end of episode number ninety nine. Nine nine. There it is of the Soco Show. Uh, lots of great stuff going on. Check out the description box for links to all the stuff that we talked about this week. Um, and uh, make sure you come on back. Episode 100 is only seven days away. We uh, can we we can seven announce days. we can announce an exciting thing. I think get people stoked up for episode number 100. Uh, our buddy over on the YouTube's at Jared Buckendall is going to be joining us for a very special episode number 100. So come on back. We always have such a blast with Jared on the show. And uh, it wouldn't be a, a, a good centennial episode without our boy. So uh, the big man is going to be the big man. around for next week's episode. So make sure you're coming back for that one. Um, uh, a Jared. Uh, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and, and one last thing before we leave. Seth, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, so today, as we record, is June 17th of 2019, uh, which means that five years ago today was June 17th, 2014, which is the day that I moved in with Seth and slept on his huh. fucking couch in Cedar Rapids, <laughs> Iowa, wave, which seems like an eternity ago, but it was only five years ago uh, was the first time we started living together. So that's a fun little memory. Yeah. I still I still have that couch. It's in a garage somewhere, but I still have it. You might want to burn that couch, man. Um, <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. But uh, yeah, this, this podcast is, uh, I guess you could say, five years in the making uh, because we... Once we figured out we could talk to each other all day, we eventually figured out we probably just better record it. Uh, instead of making friends, we can just let everyone else listen to our conversations. So That's true. 100 episodes later, or I guess 99 right now. we got to live another seven days so we can record number 100. But our hope is to bring you episode number 100 next week. Again, we will have the wonderful... At Jared Buckendall. The big man on the show as well. We're going to take a walk down memory lane. We're going to have some exciting new announcements for the future of the show. And uh, I'm sure some shenanigans will also be had. So come on back and invite some extra friends to listen in on episode number 100. Uh, for the time being, though, this, once again, has been episode number 99. 99. <laughs> he is Seth Ott. I am Co-Livia Wilde, director of Booksmart. Go see my movie. And we will see you next week. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye. <laughs>